There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Do you know, sitting somewhere in this city right now, in a car, with his head on the steering wheel going, Oh, is some poor devil who completely forgot it's Valentine's Day. Yeah, two in five of the women of Ireland say their men have completely forgotten about it one year or other in the past and one in six went to the petrol station and we don't know they know they weren't going for petrol I got caught doing that years ago running to the petrol station I haven't done it since I get myself sorted good and early 0818 96 96 96 good morning have you ever been caught like that or there's a there's a thing there's a thing I just started by saying Somewhere there's a man going, oh my God. What about women? Because you know what? Contrary to popular belief, contrary to decades of documentary evidence, contrary to entire Netflix series, women do forget things, you know. Oh, yes, they do. I know we're all married to women who never forget anything we ever did, lads. Never forget any, But they do. They do sometimes forget. Did you forget? Anyone only remembering now? Anyone running to see can I get flowers now? Anyway, we'll talk about it during the morning. Good morning to you. Seven years ago this week, not quite to the day, not quite to the day, seven years ago this week, Enda Kenny was Taoiseach and he turned the first sod on the convention centre. And from that day to this, we've been wondering when we might get the second sod turned. And the third, and the fourth. Well, according to the latest bulletin coming from City Hall, Anne Doherty, she to be chief executive of the city, has said that they will start building in July. I could be very smart and cheeky here and say she hasn't told us which July, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt anyway. 
convention centre to start in July, which would be handy because wouldn't it be a great place when Peter Aiken doesn't have a marquee in a year or two's time? Wouldn't it be a great place to put those summer gigs? Your thoughts on that and anything else is welcome throughout the course of the morning. You are listening for this. We'll be dancing in the sun and we'll sing your song together. Yeah, that is my favourite Dermot Kennedy song of all his songs. And that's the one you're listening for. We'll do it, oh, I think between 10 and 11 today. You're listening out for that song for your chance to go and see the man himself live in Las Vegas. I also would love your um, Valentine's disaster stories where it all went horribly wrong. (laughs) Again, there's a fellow sitting with his heads in his hands going, oh my God. But first, two more serious things. Are you happy with your wages? The minimum wage went up, oh God, it went up to 11.30 an hour on the 1st of January, which on the face of it, on the face of it, isn't a bad wage, I guess. But you'd struggle, wouldn't you? You'd struggle in most households now to survive on 11.30 an hour, wouldn't you? And you would think that for doing something like being a healthcare worker, you would earn an awful lot more than that. You would think that 11.30, my goodness, that's nothing to be paying healthcare workers. You'd get more money flipping burgers and just checking on McDonald's website. Yeah, one of their rates now for customer service is is, is like 12.96 an hour, 13 quid. But you learn, you earn less as a healthcare assistant. That is quite a shocking statistic. Esther, good morning to you. Hello. Hi, Esther. Hello. Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm tired. I'm really just home from work. Okay, you work a night shift, yeah? I did it on the first night shift ever. Yeah. Oh, really? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. On experience, now it was it was fine. It was fine. It was all good. Yeah, what kind of work do you do, Esther? I'm a, a health uh, care assistant so, for an agency. Okay, so describe, and you don't name anybody, obviously, but describe your night's work. What have you been, what have you been doing? Um, you go around and you check them and you make sure that they're dry, they're clean, they're not hungry, um, they're sleeping comfortably, or if they have any pain, um, the nurse will give them medication. Uh, you check them every two hours, turn them every two hours, you know, to, to prevent bed sores. Um, like it's an ongoing process every two hours of just going around making sure that they're okay, um, making sure that there's no one in pain and that their pads are clean and that, you know, that if they need to be changed, you change them, change their bed clothes. Some of them would have catheters that need to be changed. It's, it's uh, yeah, it, it's tough. Like you're on your feet. You're on your feet for them 12 hours, you know, going back and forth, and then you'd be um, doing up charts. The nurse would be doing up all the charts and everything, and she'd be, you know, adding details of who needs what, and, you know, if anybody was uncomfortable or if anybody was um, in and out of bed or not sleeping great, or, you know, so you just have to keep a check on them all. You know, night time is, is probably, it's, it's tough enough, right, because... You know, when they're sleeping, you have to make sure that you can hear them. You know, it's, it's frightening sure. as well. How many people were you taking care of overnight? 27 on the unit I was in tonight now. 27 people. And you have to keep an eye on all of them? Yeah, there was myself and one nurse. 
um, assigned to them. Two people in charge of 27 patients? Yeah. For 12 Uh, hours? Yeah, that's uh, the one, there was many units. There was one, two, three, four units, I think, and there was two two staff assigned to each unit. Okay. And, And if something went horribly wrong with one of the people you were looking after, where's the nearest help to be got? Is there a doctor around? Is there a more senior nurse around um, that's, I don't, I don't know that because it was my first night there. Um, I assume South Dock would be the nearest protocol. Um, and if you did need emergency help, like you're talking about, maybe say if something drastic did happen, so you'd have like two of the other staff coming from their wing, leaving their residence alone, you know, and helping you out there. But you know, it's just a, the, the night shift anyway. There's definitely the need to kind of look at that as well. And and was that eight to eight? Uh, quarter to eight till eight. Eight to eight. And yeah. tell me, Esther, did you get a break? Did you get to eat? Did you get to sit down for yeah, half? Yeah, I, I sit down. Yeah, you get to sit down, and I got um, I had coffee to keep me going. I think well, I normally stay awake anyway during the night, so I I done pretty well. Like I'm I'm not a great sleeper at night, but yes, you do get awake. Um, the, the nurses don't get a break seemingly I learned that Like, but um, I get a break as a healthcare assistant but uh, she doesn't get a break no. yeah, yeah. and for that 12 hours looking after the deeds of 27 people like you said turning them make sure they're okay listening out for them to make sure they're not distressed or whatever needing you know you might you, you might be the one who needs to call the nurse for yeah. that 12 hours what's your early wage Esther? Well, if I, see, I'm agency, but if I was a standard uh, healthcare assistant, uh, you'd be getting €12 Euros an hour. That's, right. And that's is the, agency, is the agency wage more or less than that? I would have been getting 18 for last night. Okay, okay. Well, 18 I would consider to be a reasonable attempt at a wage for that hour. No, well, it's a night shift, like, and, you know, you're staying up all night, like, you know, you're putting your own life at risk and the following morning when you're driving home, you know, and you're yes. trying to stay awake, you know, you're putting your life on the your own life on the yes, line yes. as well. Like, no, no, 18, 18 quid an hour, even even at that, it's it's low, but it's shocking when you tell me that the average day shift for a staff healthcare assistant... Right. Is is twelve quid? It actually starts out at um, the H. I was looking up. I done a bit of research on the HSE. It starts out at eleven eighty five, and then they go up to twelve seventy seven. And whether they go up a year or more or so after that, but I just think it's an insult to anyone. Like because night night um, the night shift yet is tough enough, but a day shift is worse. You are your go 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 all that day and. When you do take your break, you're, you take a break and you just want to fall down, you know, because you're actually been going from, like, you, you might get your first break maybe in some, in looking in private nursing homes, you get a 15-minute break. But you're going, say, from 8 o'clock until about half 11, they give you a 15-minute break. So you're back, and then you're going straight again, uh, maybe until half one. You get a half an hour, and then you're back again, and maybe that evening at about 6 o'clock, you get another 15-minute break. Now, that's a lot, like, and you'd, it's all hands-on work, like, you could be attending one resident and next minute somebody else is beeping the bell and all the staff, other res, all the other healthcare assistants, they're, they're somewhere, like, but, and there could be an emergency and you all have to run and just see what you're doing. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's tough now. They, 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 I do day as well, like. 
I am. Um, I do the day shifts as well, and I travel around. So I don't. I do agency because, not because I. I don't, don't just don't like working in nurse the nursing home, the private nursing home, because I just must not like to be held in the one spot. I like to. You like to moving. get around and, and work in different places, yeah, but you've just come through a shift again for people who've just joined us, Esther. Yeah. You're a healthcare worker. Yeah. You've come through a night shift from yeah. eight to eight. You and a nurse looking after the needs of 27 people. And yeah. you, you've you earned the sum of €18 Euro an hour because you are an agency worker. But yeah. a regular staff healthcare worker doing what you do would have earned €12 Euro an hour. And the standard wage for customer service in McDonald's for flipping burgers is €13 Euro Likely an hour. Likely up to 14 £14, maybe. How, yeah, do people, how do people live on those wages like can you I mean Esther what was your last energy bill gas bill oh I have the uh, electric um, the ESB meter I got that in when I moved into this house uh, three years ago and it would be if well since my do you know when they gave us the the pre 200 yours or something that was in January what's this February now that only ran out last week so, like, I me mean, 200 euros in the space of, that's, that's a bit, yeah, to me now that is a bit steep. Like, whatever in this house is electric. We have no, you know, we have, um, we wouldn't have a stove or right, like mm. that. And but if it wasn't for that 200 euro yeah. credit, you'd have been in yeah. trouble. Oh, you need it, yeah. And then we run two cars, like, and uh, when I'm travelling to work, I'm burning it between 60 and 70 euros a week. Okay. Do you know, when I'm when I'm doing my agency work, so... Like, if I was to get 500 by the time I have my diesel and my bills, and just say my, I'm a single woman on my own, um, maybe with a child, and by the time I have my my diesel for the week and then get food, pay my rent, uh, get my electricity, and then if you have an open fire, get your fuel and so on, you've nothing left. You know, you, you single people like that. You know, and then to insult them then with uh, 12 euros an hour, a single mother trying to make a living, like it's it is an, an insult to me. And what why what sparked all this for me was um, I was just saying I was talking to him, a person, and they're a healthcare assistant as well, and they were asked me how much I was getting an hour, and I was telling them, and then they kind of went hmm. like that was their kind of attitude, not towards me, just towards the fact that they're on twelve euros an hour. And it is, it's not fair, like, but the, if if um, they don't step up and put up the wage for a healthcare system, the agencies are going to take over because they're even, they've even brought in Scottish agencies now and they are offering healthcare assistance anything from 33 to 38 euros an hour. And if you work, there's another one in Wicklow, if you work through COVID, uh, say if there's a COVID outbreak, you get 33 euros an hour. Um, but they're very hard do, to get. Do you in. get you that, Esther, or does the agency get that? No, the person gets oh, that. The person gets it. Well. Yeah, a nurse, a, a nurse um, for it's a Scottish group. They get in sixty-six euros an hour. So agencies are going to take over, and you'll have nobody working. You'll have you'll have all agency staff, and that's going to cost the. Yeah. We were told here a couple of weeks ago it's a case we're following on an ongoing basis the case of the Walshes in Ballincollig they won't mind me naming them because of what they're going through and they've spoken to them several times they can't get anyone to mind dead overnight or by day 
And yet I have Colin Bork then, who in fairness has been doing his best for the family, telling me yeah. there's no shortage of money. You're being told by the government there's no shortage of money for these care packages. But if you're only yeah. paying people 12 euro an hour, you're not going to get staff for that. Well, did you see that fair, what's it called, that fair, fair thing? Fair deal. The fair deal. They don't, they say they could get, um, in some health care settings, it's 1,200 euro a week minimum for the uh, resident in a health care setting, right? And it can go up as far as 2,000, maybe 800, depending on the the setting they're in. So the government, they get the fair deal, right? But of that twelve hundred, the government only give them maybe eight hundred fifty, and they have to come up with the rest of the money there a week, out of their weekly money. So yeah. you know, that's their pension gone, their and pension then they is gone, yeah. and then a percentage of your property. Yeah. But why can't I don't understand why people? It, it would be cheaper to get home help. It would be an awful lot cheaper and save yeah. to save the state an absolute fortune. Okay. Let's come back to yourself, though, Esther. Like we were talking yesterday to. Dr. Chris Luke, and we heard, heard that, in the yeah. news last week about attacks on nurses and hot. Do you get grief from families? Do you get grief from, oh from God, patients, yeah. relatives? Yeah, you do. If um, they know that there's wicked, it does. They, they come in and they'd, like some of the residents might be able to get up to get up out of bed. Now you have to bear in mind this is their home. It's not their siblings. It's not their daughter's home. It's not it's whatever. And you can't take their independence away from them. So you ask them what do they want to do. Are you the healthcare, the healthcare assistant? And if that person says to you, I want to relax and stay in bed for a while, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, you give them the breakfast. And if they say to you, I'll stay in bed, I get up at around 10 or that, you know, and if one of the, say if one of their children happened to come in and they say, what are they doing in bed? And why aren't they up? Or I want them up and I want them active. Like, it's not, we can't tell that person in the bed, you have to get up. It's their choice. You know, you have to give them choices. Um, it's all right for the daughters and the sons to come in and say, I want them up out of bed. And never, they weren't physically able to get out of bed. They might have had a rough night and they want to stay in bed. But then sometimes, you know, oh, why are they in pain? All of this, and they take, they do take it out on the healthcare staff. Yeah. Come, back, come back to the bit about, but like you might will make up a mystical or mythical name, Nora. You know, yeah. Nora. Nora's ninety six. She's in good form, but she is dependent on nursing home care. Yeah. You bring Nora's tea and toast into her at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. and she says, "Thanks very much, Esther. Yeah. I'm not getting up though. I want to have a lie in and listen to yeah. PJ. Like, like, and then her daughter will arrive. Why isn't Mammy up? I've seen it myself. Um, and, and what do you say? Mammy wanted, wanted to lie in, like? Yeah. I've seen it where, where they've actually, where, no, every time, and it just could so happen that maybe they come in three times and Mammy's in bed. Every time I come in here, Mammy's in bed. But it's not the case. You have to give that person choice. It, it's down to them what they want. If we say, if they say they don't want to get up, you can't force them. Do you know, some of them might say, I don't want to put on my clothes. You can't force them no, you either. Can't. Do you no, know, you it's it's their home and they're paying for it and they're paying paying big for it. So you have to let them have their own choices, their own independence. But then, you know, it, it, it's yeah. it's their decision. Wants, I'm sorry, but if if, if Tom, age eighty six, wants yeah. to sit all day in his underpants and watch the telly, let him do it. It's his home. Exactly. Like I'm not going to. My mother is eighty seven. She's living at home. There's no way you put my mother into a nursing home if she kill you. But 
Um, she's 87 and we don't go up and say, right, ma'am, come on, you're doing this. Because she'd hunt you out the door. She'd take it out. You know, <laughs> this is my house. Get, get, you know, like I brought her up and, you know, one of them, 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 them friends with the wheels on them and you had the seat and the shop. She nearly beat you with it, is she? She didn't go away with that. I'm not going to what she said. Get out! She said, I'm not where I'm not going on that video. They're for old people. And I'm standing there looking at her. My sister gave her a walk and she nearly broke it off. <laughs> no, for old people. She's that sorry. Oh, aren't they great, though, that age, Esther, when they, when they still have their minds? You know, aren't they great? <laughs> My mother is because she had 14 children, right? She had seven boys and seven girls. I'm the seventh, yeah, I'm the seventh daughter. And um, one of us passed away just when 13 was left. And my father is gone. And when my father passed away, we thought that was it for her, like, because they were married for 57 years. And uh, we thought, no, this is it. Now she's definitely not. Yeah, she should have had 18. But she lost, she lost three life. But she's, she is an amazing. But my mother-in-law is 93. And she'd take it in her head and go down the yard and she'd feed the calves and... <laughs> And no, then, and then, in the if these wonderful, wonderful yeah. people are in a in a home, yeah, you know, you you let them do yeah. what they want to do. I love sitting listening to them. There's one. There was one woman like a couple of weeks ago, and oh, her just her whole character, and just you know, they had funny things and just the things they come out with. Ah, I'd always ask them about their background what they worked at and everything, you know. It, it, they're just amazing people and what they've been through, they are, they are the future of this, you know, this country. Like, and the young people, I've seen it with, there's, say, two girls, right, and one of them was 24 and one of them was 18 and the relationship they have with these old people oh, is yeah. unreal. There's oh, a yeah. connection. You there know, is a connection. If you let yeah, it happen, it'll happen. There is a connection, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what these companies should be pushing towards. They should be pushing towards bringing in the younger people, paying them a decent wage, you know, and letting them look after these people. And they will look after them with good care and love. You know, the love these two girls have for these people. It's like their granny. Every, everybody is their grandmother, grandmother or grandfather in that bed. And, you know, and get passion for the work. And you know, Esther, we've got a little bit off topic, but I'm I'm glad that we did because the illustration yeah. of what you've been doing overnight and what you've been doing. How long are you doing this work? How many years? Oh, I've only started. I'm in college as well. Oh um, God! When, yeah, when when COVID hit, I was doing um, the care of the older person and infection prevention and control, and they shut down the colleges, but we still got our certs and. I just feel that they won't mind, so I went back to college to get my own ah, to do beauty. to finish my course. And I have six done now six modules, and I have two more to go in Mallow College. And yeah. like it's, it's great, it's a great course. And, and, very, and, you know, and you're getting you're getting eighteen euro an hour because you're on agency, but the yeah. staff equivalent of of you, the staff workers, are getting twelve quid yeah. an hour. Esther, yeah. for for the, the the content of our conversation and the enlightened the enlightenment yeah. you've given us, that is an insult to anybody. You have the other thing, it is bonus, where's that? That's supposed to be coming out Friday now. Oh I yeah, listen, do you know what? I got an email maybe a week ago yeah. to say that I someone who still doesn't have their thousand euro, did yeah. you get your thousand euro? I don't get it because I watched them working during COVID. Okay, that, but people around you who the, were... Yeah, but I think that's an insult as well because COVID is by no means gone away. COVID is rampant in ha- in a lot of nursing homes. But uh, they didn't get it, but they're supposed to get it now Friday. But I love a good one about it. 
My understanding of the €1,000 bonus was that was announced by the government. All frontline workers are going to get this €1,000 bonus. 9th of January, 2022. I might have the date wrong by a day or two, but 9th of January, 2022, Michael McGrath told us you were all going to get this bonus. Everybody who was working or had been working yeah. through COVID on the front line was going to get this thousand euro. I'm yeah, getting and emails. they said a thousand euros and they never said any if but or why you're getting it and that's it. Yes. Now Tony O'Shea has just been to be tax free, I believe. Just to, um, to, just to be tax free if I remember correctly. It is tax free but we're actually the best part out of it. And um, Tony was telling me that he's fighting on his back and he got no no comeback on it. But I was talking to a person and it's out now, seemingly this Friday the 17th, it's out. But if you are a part-time worker, you're only getting 600 euros of that, that uh, 1,000 euros. Now, that oh, wasn't what... really? No, yeah, that's, that's not what they said no, in the initial no, they didn't. Thousand. They said 1,000 yeah. euro. Esther, yeah. an enlightening conversation, which I've greatly enjoyed. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, 12 euro an hour they pay for the kind of work Esther's been doing overnight if you're a staffer on agency she gets 18 she's been turning people she's been checking that they're sleeping comfortably she's been alerting the nurse if they're in pain she's been looking after things like their nappies and things like that she's been taking care of people all night long it's work she clearly loves but she get 18 euro for working a 12 hour shift herself and one nurse looking after the needs of 27 people and she got 18 euro an hour for that overnight last night you get 13 quid an hour for for turning burgers in in McDonald's so you do 0818 96 96 96 This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good at selling. You want to do the old Jordan Belfort now on me? Send me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cent. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Yeah, the nursing homes are, they do, they ring South Dock from 6pm till 8am says this message and outside of that there's a GP assigned and if you've ever tried to ring South Dock at night you know that in itself is a lottery who you get whether you'll get anybody and whether they'll come out to you and with the best will in the world South Dock can't handle the volume of calls they have Kate says, how do the nursing homes justify the money they charge? It's quite substantial. And the staff then on such low pay from what Esther is saying, there's so few of them. Yeah. It's it's appalling. Really appalling. Thank you, Dee. She says, happy Valentine's Day to PJ and all the Opinion Line team. Thank you very much. To Daisy, from Daisy and Dee. I mentioned at the start of the programme the poor devil who was sitting there with his head in his hands going, oh my God, I forgot it was Valentine's Day. And I said, maybe there are women who forget it too. Because in my 
number of years on this planet, I have learned that occasionally a woman does forget. Occasionally now, I think I think Queen Bee forgot once, forgot something, I mean, not just Valentine's Day. Forgot, she forgot something in 1987. And she forgot something else in 1993. So, you know, it, it does happen. It does happen. <laughs> Women, says Finn, I love this. This is the text of the day. This will take some beating. Women, says Finn, have memories longer than Blarney Street. They forget nothing, says Finn. Kevin says, who is this mythical creature of whom you speak? I've never, ever, ever met a woman who forgets. <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Catherine, an act of kindness. We love to hear about them. What happened to you? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, so I was in the village in Ballancolic. I have two autistic kids and my youngest one was with me. Um, and she had a meltdown like I was sitting in the village with my friend's daughter while she was having her meltdown like yeah. people walking past looking as if she was bold like I know she she um, lashes out when she's like that and it's very difficult you know to calm them when she? they're like that she's nearly four tough old time and she's non-verbal and it's uh, like a struggle to go out anywhere and um, as I was carrying her past the flower shop she got out of my arms and ran in and Ellen the lady in there just changed her day completely this was House of Flowers House of Flowers in Balancholic yeah so you're walking past or were you carrying her or were you I was carrying her she was trying to kick and trying to struggle out of my arms like for she's tiny but she has such strength when she when she has her meltdown but and when you're holding her, when you're holding them up in your arms, there's a lot of soft bits exposed. Like you can get a kick. Yeah. Oh, I did. I was. Um, she was headbutting me. Like there was people walking past. I was crying. My friend's daughter was crying. She was headbutting me back and blowing me back onto the the footpath. Oh, That's how strong she is. I know. Catherine, um, I had a, I had a child who used to bite, and it was not his fault. He used exactly. to bite. My and shoulders were covered in bite marks. Do you know, I, I know what you yeah. mean. I know where yeah, you are, girl. I have a girl. broken finger. I have a broken finger at the moment and I can't get to St. Mary's because I have no help with her. I'm, I'm waiting know. on services for her, you know. I know. And um, do you know, Ellen, be, before we get on to the flower shop, because I, yeah. I, I do want to talk about what happened because there's a little bit of magic happened in there. Do you know what triggers her meltdowns? Have you figured it out yet? Like it's certain things, certain noises, you know, going out. Like I don't leave the house. I have to actually send my friends money to get me shopping because it's literally impossible to go anywhere with her, you know. Yeah, and I'm yeah. on my own. I have three girls, two of which are, have autism. You're, and at a very, you're, you're at a very difficult point because you're trying to figure out what triggers it, and you're trying to figure out what happened. At the, oh no, God, you're, I listen. I, I know. I know. So, so many people have been where you were. So you're trying to deal with this, okay. and my heart had gone out to you just thinking about it. So then, yeah. she passes the house of flowers. We we passed the house of flowers, and she literally struggled. She was kicking me in the head when she was in my arms. And she got out of my arms and she ran straight in. It's the flowers. She loves flowers. She loves the smell, the touch, the colours. And Ellen in there was absolutely That's amazing. I was crying going in there and I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She doesn't know. She was like, she's fine. Leave her to do what she wants to do. She's fine. And she did. And it just, 
totally different trails to, to the, coming out of there to the trail that went in. Do you know what that is, Catherine? That's her yeah. sensory medicine. Think of it like that. Yeah. That's her sensory That's medicine. Yeah. Whatever was going on in her little head, yeah. this, she got sensory medicine in that flower shop. And, yeah. and I've seen, oh, I've seen that miracle. I, no one can explain it, but I've seen it happen. Ellen Monaghan yeah. from the House of Flowers. You can say hello to her there now. Ellen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? My heart is melting listening to it. Um, good morning. How are you? Uh, hi, Catherine. How are you? You've no idea. You've no idea the magic you worked that day, have you? My heart now is pounding. I'm nearly crying because she's such a little cutie, and I love kids anyway. And I think it's the fact that when she came, she just want like she was lucky when she came into the shop. There was nobody in her, and I think she liked that. And she was, she felt comfortable, and she was walking around and looking at the flowers. As her mother will tell you, she loves flowers. And what did she? And what flower did she, did she go? Was she drawn to any particular kind of flower? No. She was kind of looking at the colours. Now she was just looking around first, but she was calming herself down. Mm. She was. I could see myself that her mother was very upset, and. I said, she's fine, she's okay, she's fine. So she actually came in behind the counter with me and I gave her a flower and she was getting comfortable and she sat in the ground and I knew then she was kind of getting a bit relaxed and I said, she's fine, leave her alone now, she's fine. And then she kind of started looking around and she was happy, she stayed for a while and she was happy then when she had her little flower, she was happy to go then. And she you, the, you, know, you gave down. her a flower, you gave her a flower, What can you remember what kind of flower you gave her? Um, I actually can't remember, now there's so much downstairs. But you know what? Now I just picked up the nearest one. I just gave her one first. She wasn't really happy with it. Now she loves greenery as well. Um, as her mother will tell you, she loves greenery and she loves little flowers. And um, she was just, you know, she just felt comfortable and relaxed. And I think it was the fact that nobody was saying anything to her. There was nobody around. Mm. She was just in the shop herself with me. Her mother was kind of standing out a bit, you know. There was something um, magic in the flowers, she though. Calmed down. There, Sorry? Was some, there was something magic in the flowers. And trust me, as someone who's been down this road with someone, he's a grown man now, but, you know, I too had a small child was, who used to have meltdowns. There's some yeah. magic in there. Yes, it's, it's, it's the smells, the colours. No, it was a little thistle that I gave to her. No, it's just like a little, um, it's like a little stem of flower. But I'm actually looking at it now, she still has it. Oh, but she was absolutely delighted with it. Absolutely, and that's all she wanted. She didn't want anything else. She was just happy with that one. And um, she calmed herself down, and then when they calmed themselves down, she was delighted to go. But she was just, she sat on the floor and all and her mother was saying, I'm so, so, her mother was so upset and I can understand that. She is just a lovely little child, a little pet. I love kids myself. I'm going to start crying now because my heart is melting over her. She's such a cutie. Um, Well, come here, you better not cry because you have a busy day ahead. Uh, stay there one second for me, Catherine. Welcome back to you. Um, Ellen, you've one busy day ahead. You better not cry too much. Day. Happy Fantings Day to all and your customers. And um, we have a very, very busy day. Mm. Um, 
do you get many fellas running in at the last minute going, Jesus, have you left? Oh, of course. But I think men can be are actually starting to be very organised. Um, yesterday was very busy. They're kind of seem to be getting a lot organised this year for some reason. Um, so we're kind of on top of all that, you know. Um, our most popular, of course, will be the roses. Yeah. The dozen roses and the half dozen roses. But you could get like a little cherry come in that would buy single rose. Um, now, you would get people come in buy flowers for their mother. Yeah. You know? Um, do do guys get flowers bought for them? I was reading that in the Independent yesterday that it's a lot of fellas get flowers bought for them now. Well, there's something for everybody. But... Well, what I would say really is maybe a single rule. Um, we wouldn't really get much guys come in buy flowers for guys, but it would be um, a lot of guys come in buy the flowers for the women, especially on Valentine's Day, yes. you know? Yeah. And then, of course, you have all the special occasions. You have Mother's Day. Yeah. You have Christmas, you know? Yeah. Um, and, of course, the wedding season. Yeah. So... We're busy time. Going, we're busy. Busy time. And long long may the success continue. And if you're working magic like you worked with that little girl, um and that, that alone that alone justifies a queue outside your door today. That simple little act of kindness was magic. No, Bob, thank you so much. Ellen, you're great. Thank you very much. Ellen Monaher from House of Flowers in Ballancolic. Catherine, one last one last thing with you. Um, yep. The flower that she has. Can I give you a tiny, tiny tip? Yep. Keep a bunch of those in the house. I know, I'm going down to the flower shop. Put, put a bunch in the from. kitchen. Put a bunch in yeah. her bedroom or where she plays. And and keep, yeah. I would suggest, keep one in your bag. So that when yeah. you go out, and look, this is old-fashioned, instinctive therapy take it from a dad go out because yeah. with us it was a dinky car there was one particular dinky yeah. car and any sort of stress at all just give him the car yeah Get, have one of those flowers in a little sandwich bag in your own bag in your yeah. whatever and if she starts getting yeah. a little bit angsty just give her the flower and watch yeah. the magic happen Brilliant. there's some, something going on there all right. Listen, have a lovely day. Okay. What's her name? You it's Senna. Senna. All right, well. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Sean is on from, sorry, line one. Okay. Sean. Hi there, PJ. How are you doing? Good. From Honest Builders. You want to talk Honest to... Honest Builders. You want to talk to Catherine? Well, look, I just want to, The lads here, we, we said we'd have a whip around and uh, buy her a bunch of flowers for Valentine's Day. And... Uh, just basically want to uh, make a donation and, you know, help her have a bright day. Oh my goodness me, that oh is God, so kind. Amazing. That is so Thank kind. I'm actually going to cry. Thank you so much. Yeah, where, are you, where are you kind. based, Sean? Honest Builders, where are you we're, based? We're based in Cork. You know, we, we're doing work all over the place, but, you know, we're, we're kind of a, a kind-hearted bunch of lads, you know, when we heard the story there on the radio at work and Ah, uh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the name, Honest Builders. 
Yeah, it was a name myself and my partner came up with there maybe 10 years ago now, and thankfully we're we're doing very well, you know. It, it's kind of a bit of a talking point, but we're known everywhere now as the Honest Builders, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you pass Honest Builders, yeah, you don't see too many of them, like. <laughs> no, no, there, there, there are, there's, two, there's definitely two of us there anyway, and I'm sure there's many more, I'm sure there's many more. I'm sure there is. Well, Sean, that's so kind of you. Catherine... We've, we had no idea that's that was going to happen. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank we'll, you so we'll put much. you guys in contact off the air and m- maybe it might be nice to, you know, spend it in Ellen's place. Oh, God, yeah. absolutely, without a doubt. So if, if you want to get Ellen to give me a call or something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, pay for, the, pay for the flowers over the phone. We'll work the whole thing out okay, off the air. So that's brilliant. Perfect. Catherine okay, listen, O'Connor listen, and... Catherine. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kat, sorry, Catherine, have a great Thank day. So have much. a great day and uh, we 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 we're feeling your pain. Oh, that's fantastic. Lovely and lo- lovely little Senna. I give her a big hug. And from one from Thank one so from much. one parent who's been on that road for 20 something years to another, all I can wish you is good luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. It is. It's so hard, but like when they smile, it makes everything worse. Doesn't it just it. like that day in the shop? Like the the smile on her face. She was laughing coming out of that shop. It just made my day. Ellen made my day. She was an angel when I needed her. All right. You know. Well, well, that's 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 all worked out so nice, Catherine. Thank you very much, and Ellen Monaher for that act of kindness, and for today's act of kindness, Sean from Honest Builders. And we had no, we had no idea that was going to go that way. That's lovely. That's just so sweet for Valentine's Day. Niall uh, was on from my canine companion autism and therapy services. What a brilliant service! PJ Sensory Medicine. What a great way of putting it. Well done to the shopkeeper. It would be great if businesses and shop owners are listening. It helps with the understanding. The sensory feedback can't be overestimated. We see it every day with our clients and their dogs. Has to wind back to the 17th stroke 18th of January when I had Rebecca on the phone from St. Coleman's Community College in Middleton where they had won big money in the Euro Millions. But there was a very special story behind it. Do you remember that day? The 64 of us are invited to Dublin to collect this. What Mini I'm bus? Going to do is I'm going to maybe a double decker. <laughs> the more the merrier. I would love if we all went up. The money is not important. It's the story behind us that matters to us today. They collected it and we were there. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, so that big win was on Tuesday, January 17th, where the Shomra 22 syndicate, or Shomra Fehzado, I suppose we should call it, syndicate from St. Coleman's Community College, they won half a million euro. Uh, the syndicate is named after their late colleague Maeve Barry and she taught in Shomra Fehasado. Um They collected their money and Moraid from the 96FM newsroom went along to meet them. 
My name is Rebecca, Rebecca Walsh. A colleague of ours sadly passed away in November and her name is Maeve, Maeve Barry. And room 22 was her room for the time that she started working with us. So... Um, we did. I did the Euro Millions in her memory on the night that, on the day that she was meant to do it. So um, she won. She won us half a million euros. So it was only right that we we made her part of today. I'm so happy that all the colleagues were able to make it. Um, it's just it's just good good fun. You know, it's absolutely amazing. My name is Trish Carlos. I'm an English teacher and sixth year year head. So tell us what the feeling was like the 17th of January. It was absolutely amazing. Um, school had had a kind of tough run up to Christmas and so just the joy. You'd swear, swear we'd all won over a million euros because it was just that uplifting kind of um, amazing feeling of winning the lotto even, you know, even though there's 64 of us. But it was still a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And at the time we heard about uh, your colleague Maeve Barry and there was, was I suppose, a lot of emotion surrounding this win. Um, there was. A fifth year had said to me we'd had a discussion about life after death and we'd come to the conclusion that, um, you know, nothing happens. And he said, boom, miss, there is life after death. She's proven it. There's so many ways to spend, is it? Like we're an eight grand each you're getting. So what's the discussion in the, the staff room been like? Generally, we've all kind of said we're going to buy something ridiculous for ourselves. So it's the kind of money where, you know, it's not going to change our lives, but it will do something nice for us. So um, I want to buy a rowing machine <laughs> and maybe a new pair of shoes or something like that. But I know there's Manola Blonics and fancy sunglasses and things like that being bought. So um, it's treat yourself kind of money. Amy Cotter. Um, it was really surreal. I actually missed a zero as well. So I just thought, like, it was 500 euros. So I, we were all like, oh, yes, seven euro grab. We'll just put it back in. Um, um, but it was later on when somebody said it at break time it started um, going around the school and just couldn't believe it and I don't think it still has sunk in you know we're here and we're looking at it and we're looking at the balloons and everything and it, it still doesn't seem real I'm going to my friend's wedding in Italy and I'm going to Bali so it'll just make it all a bit more comfortable and is this your first year teaching in the school? or in this school yeah, yeah it so it's a nice kind of first year welcome a, a big one <laughs> a big one and I suppose this becoming newsworthy a lot of secondary school students would have become aware of the win so what's the feeling been like is there a bit of a crack around the halls um, yeah all the students trying to suss out who was in and what, what we're going to do with our money and everybody trying to find out you know before it used to be like whose car is that or like you know what teachers um, what subjects but now it's like who's spending what on their money I'm Frank Halbert I'm retired I used to teach uh, science biology egg science all those things my name is John Ring I used to teach um, I'm retired as well both of us retired last year we um, teach engineering met work drawing when I retired anyway I just said I'd keep it on for a year or two Aren't you lucky? Aren't lucky? <laughs> yeah, we did get the email last, last summer, September, and we said, like, I said, I'm going to stay in this. It's just a no-brainer that you do, like. And then something told me three weeks before it happened, like, you better check that again. And I did, and my name was still on it, so I was, I was so happy, really, you know. So you know the story behind it, so it's just the school needed a lift. Badly needed. A big lift, because we had a lot of tragedy issues, so it's just great, you know. I got two Beyonce tickets for my wife anyway. Go and see Springsteen in Dublin and Paris. And you two are now going to be in Vegas, so... I love your jumper. They won a British Oh, yeah, I love the Fontaines. I yeah, love the Fontaines yeah, yeah. CC. Hopefully they'll support you too. I love them. They're the best. We have to get them in Cork. Not enough about them. I'm going to travel a little bit and, you know, I might go to Mexico or somewhere like that and just... do you. I'm going to use the money for something frivolous because otherwise it'll disappear. I'd like to spend a month in the jungle.
I'm going to give some money to charity as well. Um, it's just so, you know, you think of all the people on the streets in Cork. If you just think if you could actually get all the people off the streets in Cork and do a bed at night time, wouldn't it be fantastic, you know? And so, you mentioned there about the, the emotion surrounding this win yeah. as well. Like. It's just give a bit away that you got for from Maeve's intervention or from Rebecca's intuition, isn't it, to do it, but... It's just like, I just feel, do you know, the head to people in Cork, you know, it's, it must be hard to see both, you know, and to be nice to do something useful. It was, it was, um, it was incredible, really, because, I mean, I, I actually did the numbers the week before, and I said to, I said to Rebecca, look, we'll win it next week or something like that, which was the following week, then we won it. But um, it's, it's weird. I mean, I'm not a mad believer in, you know, those kind of things, but this just seems a bit unusual, the way it happens, you know? Um... We're all made, like for sure. That's the way it goes. And getting to come together to celebrate it now, that must mean a lot yeah. as well, does it? Yeah, it's, it's great because the school, as I said, we had a lot of bad, bad luck from November onwards, so the teachers below needed a break needed a break because it was like a lot of things went wrong last year, so it's just fantastic, you know. I've heard you like to Rebecca and Maeve was looking down as I said definitely, but it was like divine intervention call what you like but to get five and the plus I think it's about a million to one is it to get to actually get the five and one plus it's incredible, incredible. it's just brilliant the minds are live join the conversation call 0818 96 96 96 extra whatsapp 0833 96 96 96 email opinion at 96fm.ie this for this we'll be dancing in the sun I'm gonna sing your song together I'm gonna sing your song together love that song my favourite German Kennedy song is the song of the day today I have plane tickets I have concert tickets I have accommodation vouchers and I have money and I want to put your name on the whole lot chance to do that between now and 11 on Cork 96 FM Vegas for five days in May and tickets to see Dermot Kennedy. It's all coming up this hour. 0818 96 96 96. <clears throat> Thanks to Rebecca and the staff of the Shomra Fehazado Syndicate at St. Coleman's College. They uh, <clears throat> brought Maureen in yesterday and good chat with them. Lovely story. Lovely, lovely story. And they won about eight grand each. It's not to be sniffed at in these tough times and they're doing holidays and they're buying totally frivolous nonsense. And, do you know, it's great that if... if It's almost like if you think back to, to Maeve and the message from Maeve and Maeve looking after them from, from beyond. The one thing she did, if she did nothing else, was she paid all their energy bills for the next year or so and looked after the, the cost of living for them. So it was lovely to meet them all yesterday. Speaking of the cost of living, Sarah, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Now, I know you're a little bit under the weather yourself, which is kind of making it even more topical. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I was listening to the show the other day, and at some point there was something said about the um, the packs of antigen tests that you can get, yes. um, that you've been able to get um, while, you're, while you're sick, obviously, you know, um, in the past 18 months. They used to send them um, out for free. They don't anymore. 
they don't yeah that's what I was uh, that's what I wrote in about because I actually got COVID myself at the start of December just gone and I've got three kids there all under the age of they're all four and under um, so as you can imagine my three kids as well from the last week of November all through December to the early January were sick every single week yeah. and I think a lot of the listeners will relate when they know that we were so frightened this year because of all the you know the surrounding stuff with the strep A and everything yeah. we were bringing the kids to the doctor every week when they were getting sick and of course when you ring the doctor the first thing they say is have you antigen tested you know yourself and the kids to make sure no one actually has COVID mm-hmm. which I completely understand because you don't want to be bringing COVID into a doctor's surgery where there's a lot of vulnerable sick people sure. Um, but at the same time, the option then to get those tests was no longer available. So we were having to buy, I was having to buy bulks of COVID tests constantly to, first of all, I suppose, when I got COVID tests myself to make sure that I was eventually negative. And second of all, to be testing the kids constantly. They were, they were My kids were literally at the doctor at least once a week through the month of December. Did they, they pick up at that age? What age are they, Sarah? Um, I, I've got three, so they're four, um, two and 11 months and nearly two. Steps, so, of, yeah. steps of stairs. Steps um, stairs. Um, and like, yeah, they pick up everything. It's almost like they go out and catch it just to annoy you. They pick up everything in the winter time. And this, I think this winter was exceptionally bad for not just us, but I think it was, it was kind of across the board. Everyone was saying like their kids were getting these super strength tonsillitis that like, you, they just finished an antibiotic and the following week they'd have something else. You'd have to start them on an antibiotic again. Like I know. Antibiotics, um, Calpol. You could keep, yeah, you could keep Calpol in business. Like. There were shortages of Calpol then going back a couple of weeks ago. They didn't, like, I ha- at one stage I had to go to three different chemists. Um, I'm from Glanmire. I went to two in Glanmire and then I actually had to try one in Blackpool for a certain medication that the doctor had sent in because they were all from one of the kids because they were all just completely out of it, like... Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very big shortage problem at the moment. Now, the tests, as I said there the last couple of days, it, this lasted largely COVID got into our house last July and yeah. thankfully it didn't stay very long and we weren't particularly sick with it, yeah. But um, I, I, I sh- shook it off in a day and a half, but you still have to go through tests. But they sent out back then, they sent out like enough tests to, to stock a small they pharmacy. Yeah, I got them as well last April, I think it was, when I had COVID the first time. And I mean, it says on the website, because I was actually looking at the guidelines then over the weekend, and like what it says on the website now when you are when you have COVID, instead of having to get these antigen tests, that once your symptoms stop, that two days after that, you're good to go. But to be honest, when my COVID went, I felt fine for the last four days, and I was still testing positive for COVID. No, there were faint lines, but I still had COVID in my system. I, I bought those antigen tests myself because I didn't want to go near my dad. Yes, and um, there was still a faint line there, and that was four days after the COVID. You know, so I don't think that's accurate to tell people that they can, you know, go out of. Yeah, to guide. Like, we we would we we all remember how often guidelines used to change and how you could be very confused as to what the hell is still go, what the hell is going on. But you had to obviously you have to check now. How how much are they costing now? To I mean, you've, for all the kids, it and differ. Yourself. Like it does differ. Um, I think the cheapest I've seen is for a multi pack. So I was actually in Aldi yesterday, yeah. and I seen they had a multi pack. So there was five in the pack, and it was twelve ninety nine. But even at that, you're still talking like. 
2.30, each, do you know? I still think that's too expensive yeah, well, when you've got a family of five, but, like. But there's the thing, Sarah. Like, that's what, how many in the pack for 12.99? Five. Right. You're going to need to get through, if, if COVID comes, you're going to need at least two packs, if not three. Oh, geez, I'd say three at least. Three yeah. packs at least, yeah. No, so that's... that's Consider a bit like, it's a bit like the late age. You really are going to, if, if it gets into the house, even now, you know, you're yeah. going to need one for everybody in the audience. You will, yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. There, yeah. That'd set you back if you bob, and there's no more free ones now. There's no, well, there there is, but there's two exceptions. I think if you're a healthcare worker or a family member, a close family member of a healthcare worker who's been in close contact, or if you need to take time off work, because you're sick with COVID, then you can get the antigen test because you obviously have to make a social welfare claim. They're the only two exceptions as far as I'm aware. I have you. Yeah, so you'll be looking at a multi-pack. You want one for everybody in the audience. That's four of you. That's 12.99. That's 52 quid. You don't have 52 quid to throw around on any given week, Sarah, have you? And even, even, and that's an Aldi 52 quid, like. Normally you'd, you'd buy half a store. You might have that's a shop for this. That's the cheapest I've Because then if you go to like, um, I'm not naming any now, but if you went to a general petrol station mm. and you they usually only do the singular ones in the petrol stations, you could be paying three something then for one of those per you petrol could. Well. I had to pick no. one up. I had to pick one up there um, recently with, with a small scare. <laughs> Thankfully, it was negative. But I had to pick yeah. one up at short notice and there were four quid I paid for it or something. That's, yeah, I see. That's what you're going to be paying. Like, and you will, you will pay it when you need to do one. You're going to go to your closest garage if you're not feeling well, and you need to do a test. You just pick anyone up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. How is the cost of living otherwise? It's Molly's. Uh, very hard. Mm. <laughs> very hard to be honest. Like my, I have three boys, and um, my middle guy is the tallest of the three. He's very, very tall, and I suppose they just grow at such a ferocious rate that. I can try and pass clothes down from the oldest to the youngest, but at this stage, the oldest and the middle are nearly in the same size clothes. Mm. And no, three and boys. Three boys. They'd yeah. eat the table on you. Oh my god! You can't feed PJ. boys, like. And that, to me, in my opinion as well, PJ, that's the biggest increase. I think with the like with petrol, gas, uh, electricity. I think the shopping is just gone absolutely astronomical. Like, no matter where I'm trying to do it, whether I'm trying to break it up and go to different supermarkets, I've, I've tried every method, doing one shop fully in one place or breaking the shop up. Or It's just gone... Yeah. The sh- it's, it's the groceries that's killing me, really. It's Some, somebody that I follow on Twitter um, was commenting yesterday that a loaf of bread that used to cost her 205 is now costing her 265 yeah, it's crazy, like crazy. Um, even there's waffles. It sounds ridiculous, like people be saying to me, "Oh my God, you're like that bad that you know, like the sense of what everything you've got." Yeah. <laughs> but there's like there's like toaster waffles. Sorry, now about the background noise. You're okay. There's like toaster yeah. waffles. There's like toaster waffles that my boys love in the morning with some jam, and these particular toaster waffles, anyway, like they're. They were one one ten. We say going back last June, and now they're actually one ninety five. Um So they've yeah, they've gone up by eighty five cent. I'm noticing that a lot with all the products that doubled. are in them. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And three small and boys will go through them like by the packetful. Oh, you'd have to get two packets for a week. Like you wouldn't get away with one. You would have to get two. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are they all right now? Are you all right? You're a bit snuffly. Did, did, did you test yourself? I did. I got a test. Um, thank God I don't have... 
I don't have COVID. I'd say it's just a cold at the moment. But the boys are all very good now, thank God, since mid mid January. We had very, good. very hard we had a very hard Christmas. They were very, very sick on Christmas Day. We had two oh. hospital admissions and my oh, middle God. guy is actually yeah, my middle guy is asthmatic. Um so we have him every six months in the hospital just to have a review. So he'd be on constant inhalers as well and stuff like that. So We've got a sort. Hospital a admissions over Christmas. We we came close. Yeah. Queen Bee was very sick, and we came close, but we we, we escaped yeah. it. But I can't imagine what that must be like. Yeah, it's hard, and they're they're you know they're very good over there. They're under a lot of pressure as well. And to be honest, what personally I seen over there during the kind of winter Christmas period, it was mostly parents with kids. Like it, whatever it was, this particular winter there was just so many sick kids in the waiting rooms in South Dock and. Yeah. in hospital, you know, but um, hopefully everyone is okay now and it's just, you know, it was a bad winter and hopefully next winter will be better. Yeah, and hopefully spring is only around the corner and things will get a bit better. But the cost of food isn't going anywhere, only up, which is a problem. Th- thank you, Sarah. Good luck with that. Three small kids, oh, all under four. Sure, it sounds like she lives in a playground. Did you hear it behind her? 0818969696. The cost of food is only going one way. And there I see overnight again, the cost of wholesale gas is cheaper than it has been since before any of the crack in Ukraine. Anything. Please don't give out to me about the use of the word crack in Ukraine. You know what I'm talking about. War, right? It's cheaper than at any stage before the war, or gone at least back to the prices it was before the war, wholesale gas. The problem is all the companies that are supplying gas to us have done what they call hedging. So they bought at vastly increased prices and now we're going through that stock. So it is only when they run out of the stock they now have that we get the cheaper prices. We hope. We sincerely hope. On COVID tests, Dave is wondering, PJ, is it time to stop testing? Sure, it's rampant now in the community. Are people still dying from COVID or is it more manageable? Well, yes, it is far more manageable, Dave, and if you're vaccinated and boosted, your chances, I say your chances of getting anything like seriously ill are very much reduced. The problem is, you can still get it. The damn thing is still extremely transmissible. And if you have got COVID and you have a vulnerable relative or a vulnerable friend or whatever, or you're vulnerable yourself, it's best to know. So, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think we'll be seeing I don't think I don't think antigen tests will be gone out of the chemists for a long time, put it that way, Dave. Although nobody wants to go back to where we were. Nobody. <laughs> Least of all me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. PJ says, Anna, did you see the new low cost chemist stroke named Chemist Warehouse? They're coming to Balancholic. I'll say they'll stir things up a bit in the market. Must look at that. Actually, medicines, the list, of, you can get a list now. You can actually go online and get a list of the medicines that are in short supply. There's a lot of them, I may tell you. There's over 240 of them now. And what was very worrying over the last week or so, and I was looking down the list to see if, if my lad's medicine was among them. Some of the medicines now that people need for epilepsy are in short supply which is quite worrying. Actually, speaking of epilepsy, the things you can... Did you know that St. Valentine 
whom we celebrate today. St. Valentine is also the patron saint of people with epilepsy. There's something you might not have known getting out of bed this St. Valentine's Day. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. What would you do if you were at work going about your normal business in a pub, say, and a customer sitting there having a pint suddenly falls off their stool, hits their head. They're clearly having some kind of a cardiac arrest or what? You don't know, but you see this happening. What do you do? A young man on work experience, uh, Ross Hennessy, he's in transition year at St. Coleman's College in Formoy, and he was working behind the counter in his family's pub last week when exactly that happened. Ger D is Community Engagement Manager at the National Ambulance Service. Ger, this young man leapt into action. He knew how to do CPR. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, we're here today um, in Hennessy's Bar to, to recognise Ross for his um, bravery and courage um, when the customer by the name of Tom, who's a regular to the bar, suddenly um, fell off a stool in cardiac arrest. So Ross immediately came out from behind the bar, recognised that Tom was actually in, in, in a bit of trouble, I suppose, um, rang 99, activated the emergency services and followed instruction over the phone and delivered life-saving CPR to Tom until the arrival of the first responders and ambulance service at the scene. So there's no greater gift, I suppose, for anyone than to, to meet the person you actively saved. So that happened today. Um, the event actually happened um, 12 months ago, PJ. Um, and, you know, for everybody to come together here today to recognise Ross and present him with the first of hopefully many special bravery awards which are, have been commissioned by the National Ambulance Service. Mm. And to be able to present the first one here in Cork is, is an absolute honour for me today. Are, they, are these um, new awards, Jared? They are, yeah. There are new awards to recognise, um, I suppose, our youth, our youths out there who step up and actually save a life. And that is what Ross did. And I suppose, you know, it's a poignant day today being um, Valentine's Day and people are out, you know, they're out and about there. They're spending the few bob on cards and chocolates and the likes. But why not think about giving the loved one in your life the gift of life by learning CPR and PJ, with over 70% of cardiac arrest happening in the home, you know, chances are it is going to be a loved one that you'll, you'll have to do it on. So I suppose we're offering free training. And if people would like to pop an email to cfr at hse.ie, we'd be only too delighted to hook them up with, um, with various training courses. CFR at hse.ie. I've made a note of that. Put me on to the young man. I will. So I'm going to hand you over to to Ross here, PJ. Okay. Hi, PJ. Good morning, young man, and well done. Uh, Take me back to what happened and describe it for me. Um, It was the 8th of February last year when um, Tom was was here in the pub drinking and um, he he fell off his stool uh, and I was behind the bar and I I went over to see and he was uh, was unconscious. He wasn't responding. So... um, I rang the ambulance straight away, and um, they they talked me through what to do, how to how to keep him alive, and how to keep the heart going. And right. they were here within ten to twelve minutes. 
And had you ever done any CPR or anything like that before? Did you know what to do? Um, no, I, I hadn't done it before, no. Right, right. So you went away afterwards and learned to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was just tr- through the the response service on the phone, um, just kind of keeping calm and talking me through what to do. I was able to keep him, keep him alive. Okay, so so you rang them up and you described what happened and then they said there's yeah. an ambulance on the way and now we're going to help. And they told you what to do. Yeah, and we- they obviously re- they realised the scale of the... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Scale of the accident straight away. So there, there was a... Um, uh, a large team arrived within ten to twelve minutes. Have it is, and and while you while you were waiting for that team to come, they they talked you through. Like, were you nervous, or were the instructions really clear? Are you are you standing there going, "What the hell am I going to do here? How does it feel?" Yeah, the uh, the instructions were crystal clear, but it's still all a blur when when uh, you're in a situation like that. You're kind of you're nervous and your heart's pounding, just hoping that he can stay alive and things like that. So. The, thankfully that the, the people on the phone were, were calm to kind of calm me down and and did you know before he went off in the ambulance or that he was going to be okay um, no it was we didn't have any um, any information whatsoever we just like as the days as the days went on we were here and kind of he was in the hospital for a few months after and he was just getting better and better he when he when he came back to consciousness a few days later he um, he had no memory or recollection of wow. anything that happened Crikey, crikey. You really did a, a fantastic job that day. I know that, that Tom is there. He is, yeah. Can I have a chat with him? Yeah, no bother. Great. Well done, you. Well done, Ross. 
Hi, PJ. Tom? Hello, PJ. Hello, Tom. How are you, sir? Hello. I'm very good, thanks, now. Good man. You don't remember anything about what happened, do you? No, I didn't. I didn't remember nothing for months afterwards. Yeah. How long were you in hospital? I was three months in hospital after it. Crikey. Right. Yeah, it was a recuperating after it. Like my memory went for about six months. I still a lot of stuff I don't remember, you know? Yes, yes. But it's coming back to me slowly, like... Yeah. I, I suppose the last thing you remember what was walking in and ordering a pint, was it? I don't even remember coming in. Do you not? No, and I was in the charity shop uh, next door and I never remember going in there either. Okay. You're a lucky, yeah. you're a lucky man that that jump fellow was so so together, weren't you? Oh, India gifts from heaven, yeah, yeah. gifts from God. And you're you're well yeah. now. Can you can you can you take a I, point again? I've just had my first point there in front of you. Good for you, good for <laughs> you. I'm not a bit jealous. I'm not a bit first jealous. I've been on that. What do you take? What do you drink? I just drink a pint of pasta there now. Oh, handy out. Handy yeah, out. Nice and mild. It's nice, nice and, and mild. It is. It is grand and refreshing. Well, look, I wish yes. I wish you continued return to good health, uh, Thank Tom. you, Peter. Thank you very much. I put you back to the ambulance. Put me back on to Jerry. That's right, yeah. yeah. Right, on to Jerry. Thanks, Peter. Lighten up. None of the heavy stuff. We have a nice, light, cool pint of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> He is, and look, he, he hadn't stepped foot in the bar for over twelve months, so it was a, it was a, you know, a poignant day for himself as well to to come back in here, meet everyone, and in particular Ross. And, fantastic. and look, uh, it's just a, a fantastic thing to um to be able to facilitate today. So it's great. And Jer, if anybody wants, if if we wanted to nominate somebody for one of these great, which is a great idea, by the way, these awards. Yeah, so so I suppose you could contact myself, PJ, because we may not be aware of of everything that happens yes. there. But in general, when it involves something as serious as a cardiac arrest like this, we, we're generally made aware of it um, by our own colleagues, and we we tend to follow it up then. And when someone like Ross is identified, it's it's so important to recognise, and particularly being a young man. Um, you know, full life ahead of him. It's a great little, um, I suppose, reward to have. Indeed, it's it a is. reward to have, and I know he has the, I suppose, the pleasure of of seeing Tom again on a, you know, on a day to day basis out about his business around Mayfield. You know, so Absolutely. it's it's a life saved in the community, and that's what we're all about. Absolutely, there's a, a message has just come in here, Ger. I wonder what you'd say about this. It should be compulsory that all secondary schools learn CPR. Look how many lives could be saved. Yeah, absolutely, PJ. And and to be fair, the Irish Heart Foundation um, run a schools program, CPR for schools, and they try to get to as many um, transition year uh, students as they can on a yearly basis. So it is actually being done out there. Brilliant. But you know, it's right in what you're saying. It is, it's not compulsory. And, and I think it's definitely should be something maybe for the syllabus. All right, listen, good to talk to you. Ger O'Dea, Community Engagement Manager for the National Ambulance Service. Mr. Corkman, um, Ross, Hennessy and Tom, the man who wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Ross's intervention while working at Hennessy's in Mayfield. Was that the Fob and Gill of Longo? It was. I don't even have to realise what I'm talking. I probably know, Tom. I probably know, Tom.
So I do if he's going there for years. 0818 96 96 96. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Win your way there with Cork's 96 FM. All right. I have plane tickets. I have accommodation vouchers of tickets to see Dermot live at Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas on May the 19th. I'd like to put your name on them, Katrina Cronin and Farron Ree. Good morning. Hi, PJ. And, and you know, I'd, I'd like to put them on because they tell me you're single on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I am indeed. So I think the least I can I'm, do is... I'm least... not complaining, though. Are you not? No, <laughs> no but it would be nice to go to Vegas. <laughs> You'd have to find someone. You know what? If you were to win these tickets, you wouldn't be single for five minutes flat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe what we can do for you, we can't find you, we can't find you a date maybe, but we can find you maybe a place in the draw. Would that work? That would be even better than any date. All right, we'll <laughs> see if we can get you. Now, here's the thing. You need to choose whether you're going to have, do you want a Dermot question or do you want a Vegas question? Oh, I don't know. Which would you prefer? <laughs> I suppose um the question. Let's see what comes out of the slot machine, will we? Okay. Ooh, first bit of good luck for Valentine's Day. It says Dermot. Very good. All right. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see. This is oh this is easy. This is this is easy. Uh, Dermot Kennedy began his career as a busker. On which famous street? in Dublin was it A Grafton Street or B North Main Street it was Grafton Street it was (laughs) (laughs) happy Valentine's Day thanks PJ I can't get you a date and I can't send you flowers and I can't send you you don't well you might yeah well if you did by the way if you did win this um, who would you bring with you to um, to Vegas I I I suppose my son. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, so there is a man in your life. Oh, there is. The one and only. I see. <laughs> well, he's a teenager. Ah, I, don't oh, know. God. I don't know would he be interested in Dermot, but God, I'm sure he he'd be interested in Vegas. God. Yeah, no. God. Yeah, now, hang on a second now. You want to take a teenage boy to Vegas? <laughs> can, I, can we arrange the lotto numbers for Katrina for tonight? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your son's name? Uh, Adrian. Adrian. Will Adrian buy you something for Valentine's Day? He will, of course. Good. good. If he ever gets out of bed, he's on midterm. <laughs> oh, he's a teenager. You know what I mean? I'd say that's your twenty to eleven. Tisn't he's only turning over. <laughs> Still in the middle of his nice. Just that's right. true. That's true. <laughs> Katrina, well done. You're through to the draw. PJ, that's fantastic. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers. Simon will do another qualifier. This afternoon, Lorraine will do one as well. Dermot Kennedy, live at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan, May 19th. You're listening for our daily song, our song of the day. It's this one you're listening for today. We'll be dancing in the sun, and we'll sing your song together. Better days. And we'll sing your song together. When Simon plays that this afternoon, you text a WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Dermot Kennedy live in Vegas. Listen to win weekdays from 7 a.m. only on Cork's 96 FM. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 
Where did you meet now? How did you meet that you met someone from Cork, you're from Scotland, and then you ended up coming back here? So what was the scenario? Uh, I was uh, I was playing poker at the Irish Poker Open in uh, Dublin. Okay. And, uh, and we met there. She spotted me from across the table or so the story goes. And you give she her the spotted post- you or she spotted your hand? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, both, both more than likely. That guy's got a royal flush. Hey, hey, hey Scotty, come over here. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Okay. Here's one for you. If you've ever been on holidays to y'all, or if you're one of these people that has a place, like a mobile home in y'all, or you'll be up and down to y'all regularly, and if you've been going there for years, particularly if you've been going there for a few years, or maybe you lived there, Harriet's gotten in touch with us. Harriet, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well. We don't normally do Lost and Found, but there's always one that jumps out at you. And yours is one of those. Tell me the story of this missing jewellery. Okay, so a couple of years ago, well, we're talking over 20 years ago now, I worked in Parks and Yall, you know, when I was there on my holidays, summer jobs and whatever. Yeah. And one day I'd forgotten to take off my jewellery going into work. So because I worked in the play centre... It was a kind of health and safety thing. So I took it off and stuck it in my purse and put it behind the counter. And at the end of my shift, um, my purse was nowhere to be found. Now, the whole place searched bins. We went back on cameras. But as you can imagine, they weren't great quality back then. Right. So, yeah, and it never showed up. Now, I tried searching like, the guard station if it was handed in there, and we searched the office for a while afterwards to see if it had been handed in, but yeah. I never had any luck. But it's just, there was just three pieces in there that. This, this was the Perks Centre as you drive into y'all on the left yeah. hand side. They used to have ball pools in there and slides. That's, and That's where I worked right. in the ball pools, yeah. You worked in the ball pool? Yeah, I worked in there, yeah. Oh, I, can imagine trying to, I can imagine trying to find a bit of jewellery inside in that. Yeah, well, you see, I had taken it off and put it into the purse so right. that I wouldn't lose it or I wouldn't get caught in the netting or whatever, so, yeah. Right. So yeah, you searched and, and you searched. I searched and I searched and it was nowhere to be found and I kind of gave up hope. Now, in fairness, all the staff and Mr. Tyvee, the owner, he had me go through bins and everything in case, you know, like a child might have picked it up and thrown it somewhere or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, no, it was never ever found. But there was just three pieces in it that, if I if anybody had them or found them and didn't okay. know what to do with them, I'd just love to get back because they're just so sentimental. To well, me. well, what were they? So um, the chains, I was like, there was two chains there. As I can remember it was either a sixteen or an eight inch or an eighteen inch. Um, it was like a spinning fob chain. Okay. You know the ones that you spin and the three different color stones are going mm. around. Yeah. Um, another chain was like as either an 18 or a 20 inch it was kind of a long chain and it had like a sovereign coin in it but had lovely decorative detail around the edges mm-hmm. and there was also a sovereign ring um, it was a very dainty sovereign ring it wasn't like the big huge ones you know the knuckle dusters people yeah. used to have yeah. it was um, but it, what was different about this one is the back of the coin on the sovereign was actually plain it wasn't a double sided coin which was okay. actually quite rare right okay so yeah so yeah, some, the some lovely pieces, and yeah. like it's over 
20 years ago, you say now, although you sound too young to have been working in the play centre 20 years ago, but we'll... We'll, well yeah, no, I, I, was, I was 17 or 18 at the time, yeah. Okay, okay. You're hoping against hope that someone picked up this little purse, put it in a pocket and forgot about it. Yeah, or even if they handed it in somewhere that I hadn't thought of checking or that just something might, might trigger something in them to kind of say, oh, I found those and I passed them into the guard station after a few months or whatever because, you know, after a while you kind of give up but then you see these stories online of piece, pieces being found from years ago and I, I said I'd give her one last attempt. They're sentimental to me because they were given to me by my grandmother and oh, she's passed since. Like, I see. What? What did the purse look like? Because some people would be terribly honest altogether. They would never even open it. What What did the purse You look? know what? I actually couldn't tell you what purse I had at the time. It's not the purse that has been sticking out in my memory. Right. I couldn't tell you. And I know there was other pieces of jewellery in there, but they, they meant nothing to me. I couldn't tell you what was in there. I know there right. could have been a pair of earrings, and I know there was possibly a silver ring with a blue stone, and I think that had been soldered back together. And, and when you say purse now... I know women's purses. They can be anything from the size of a mobile phone to the size no, of, they, of a rucksack. About the, about the size of a man's wallet would be okay. the size because I would have always been able to put it in my pocket or whatever, yeah. Okay. Had it a clasp or a zip or anything? Um, from what I can remember, it was probably a zipper with a fold-out area as okay. well. Okay, okay. They, they would be the type of purses I would have had at that age. But for the life of me, I couldn't tell you what even colour it was. Sure. And the ball pool area in Perks, for people who um, it may have all changed, I don't know. It's a long time. Yeah. Since my, my, my kids are in their 20s now, and they would have been seven or eight the last time we were down there. Yeah, and it has changed big time, yeah. Like, where I could tell you exactly where I put the purse. We had a little kind of a corner counter right beside the bowling alley, and it was in under there where I would have put my purse every other day. Right, right. And, yeah, that's when we searched everywhere. We pulled out the whole counter, nothing to be found. And even if somebody is listening who robbed it, you say, look, no questions asked. Just No just... questions asked, honest to God. Even if it was a person who stole it, I would still offer them a reward for returning it. I'll be completely honest there. Right. There would be no questions asked. They could tell me they found it and they wouldn't know the difference. Right. So... You wouldn't have an exact year, would you? An exact year? Okay, so um, 20 years ago, now it would be 2013. We could be talking, or 2003, Jeannie Marcus. Um, We could be talking 2001 to 2003, maybe. Okay, Okay. the old Park Centre, a little purse with some jewellery inside. Was there money? Was there ID of any kind? Um, There could have been a College of Commerce ID. Um, I don't think I had a bank card at that stage. Okay. Um, college of Commerce ID, that could be helpful. That could be, yeah. It could have been a College of Commerce ID. I would have repeated my leaving there, so it wouldn't have been a full-blown college ID, just a student card kind of thing. Okay, okay. And would there have been some money in it maybe or anything, no? There only a few, Bob. I wouldn't have brought that much to work with I me. gotcha, okay. Keys? No, there was no keys in there. Okay, all right. And there would have been near the bowling alley in that little reception area or a little desk. In the, in, the, in the tiny little desk there that we had um, on the, the old entrance into the ballpark, yeah. It's kind of, I think they have their party area there now, their party reception okay. desk is there now, yeah. And three little pieces of jewellery in it. Describe them again for me one more time. So we had a, 
either a 16 or 18 inch. Um, they were all 9 karat gold, by the way, um, with a little spinning fob at the end of it. We had an 18 or 20 inch sovereign chain and there was a little gold um, sovereign ring as well. Right. It's a long shot. Harriet. It absolutely is. It's, it's the longest of long shots. But you know, if you don't ask, you'll never get. Exactly, yeah. It really is, as I said, my last ditch attempt now at trying to recover these. I, I, you know, there are things that pop into your head every day. Yeah, I know that you said your nan has 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 passed away since. Sorry to hear that, but is is that what's driving you, or was it just something else? Well, you know what? Now my nan has passed away about fifteen years ago, okay. but ever since the day I lost them, I would kind of always think about them. And it was just the other day I went to my jewelry box and um, I found um, my nan's spinning fob chain, and I said, you know what? the other one that she had bought me for my confirmation. Yeah. I said, you know, I would really love to have that back. And then it got me thinking and, you know, the ring and the other chain were gifts from her as well. And I don't have that much from her anymore because, you know, earrings break and things like that. So, yeah, it's just something that I would just really love to get back. Well, all we can do is put it out there and see if anybody comes back to us. Absolutely, and I just hope and pray, and I just like to reiterate there would be no questions asked. They could contact the station or even post it to ye or anything at all. There would be no questions asked, and I would offer a reward of whatever I could at the time. Harriet, I wish you luck. I I don't, in my mind's eye, see it happening, but but, but stranger things have happened. So let's see. I know, let's see. Let's hope and pray. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Harriet. Thanks. <clears throat> there is a story that pops to mind as I'm listening to her. Do you remember the bracelet that David Babington, the material boy, found? He found it 20-something years ago. And he kept it. He found it outside Brown Thomas. And he kept it. Um, and after 20 years, he put it up on Instagram. And he found the owner and he was able to get it back to her. But it turned out, remember he was on the show about this January last year, he'd been cutting or doing up the hair of someone related to the owner for the bones of the previous 20 years. So these things do happen. These things can happen. And who's that genius that finds lost jewellery on beaches? Didn't he come up, this, is it Tomas is his name? Down there around the Kinsale area and that general part of the world, he goes out with the metal detector. He found stuff that was lost two or three years ago. So these things can happen. Have you ever come across something, found something that, that you lost ages and ages and youngs and youngs ago? Harriet lost her purse or her purse vanished while she was at work in the Perks Centre in Yall working down near the ball pool there in the early noughties, the early, yeah, the early noughties, 2003, she thinks, maybe 2002. And her purse disappeared while she was working. There was some jewellery inside it. And she's just maybe wondering if anybody remembers. Pop us the text to WhatsApp if you have a story like that, that you managed to resolve it all these years later. 0818 96 96 96 for your calls or 083 396 96 96 for your WhatsApps or texts or voice messages. My dad built a wall in his mother's house many moons ago in the 1960s or 1970s. He ended up leaving his wedding ring on the cement. So there's a nice wedding ring in a wall somewhere on Sarsfields Road. 
PJ, my sister took off her wedding and engagement rings a few years ago in my parents' house. She put them on the windowsill and they completely disappeared. We're convinced a magpie took them. Could happen. Could happen. There, though. Wouldn't it? Look, it's such a long shot. I'm not even going to say it might happen. But what if it did? What if we found that purse? Or found the person who had that purse? 0818969696. Do you know the whole St. Valentine's story of today? Like he was a bishop. The bishop of um, Treni or Tremi or some city in Italy. But how he came to be famous was just for the day that's in it he the, during the time of the emperor claudius roman soldiers were not allowed to get married you think it's tough up in collins barracks with the defense forces roman soldiers were not allowed to get married back in those days but valentine was a bishop and said no i'll marry you in secret so he married loads of soldiers in secret and then of course he got caught and executed and they said executed, beheaded and hung upside down. I don't know how true that is. But his remains, or part of his remains, his relics, ended up in Whitefire Street Church in Dublin through a fellow called Father John Spratt. I know. Father John Spratt was noted for his work with the poor of Dublin. And Pope Gregory the 16th, there were many of them, the 16th, Pope Gregory, knew this fellow, John Spratt, and admired this fellow, Father John Spratt and said, Father John Spratt as a reward for being so nice to the poor of Dublin, I'm going to give you this and he handed him a box with basically the remains or partly the remains of St. Valentine in it and John Spratt was attached to Whitefriars Street Church and all these years later, today, 2023 there will be a mass there to commemorate St. Valentine there's the connection between Valentine and Ireland did you know that this morning when you got up? Did you care? Because it's fascinating, I thought. The latest radio ratings are in. And once again. And once again. You've chosen Cork's 96 FM. Heard it on the radio. You've chosen the biggest giveaways. You're going to Brazil! Yay! Oh my God. The best laughs. <laughs> and the most beautiful moments. <laughs> Thirty-one thousand people listen to Corks ninety-six FM and C one hundred and three every week. Source Jail or Ipsos RBI twenty twenty-two four. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing us. Now stay listening to Win Your Way to Dermot Kennedy live in Las Vegas. It's just the most beautiful sport from home. Music sounds better than you. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Hashtag Choose Radio. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. I get to this in a little while. Um, if you are waiting for an NCT, like half the country seems to be, 350,000 vehicles on the roads of Ireland now due an NCT, but don't have one. 
There's an enormous backlog. They're saying some people looking to book online now are getting appointments in August and September, if they're lucky. Yes, you can get on a priority list in four to five weeks, but, but it is what it is. It's not going to get any easier. And you can blame a trade union for it. I'll fill you in in a while. Uh, that's a, it's an amazing story. Uh, it, it'll drive you crazy. You'll be going saying, why? Like, what's all this about? Also, Tilly, I'll be with you in a little while. Uh, Tilly is very annoyed about the way we speak now and the way how very small numbers of people in the community are trying to change the way we speak. That's in a while. Tony, morning, morning to you. PJ. How are you doing? How are you're, you? lo- you're looking for help, sir. Uh, yeah, PJ, I am. It's actually possibly dash cam footage I'm looking for, if possible, if okay. anyone got it, right? What happened to you? But it was Saturday afternoon at about tw- between 20 past 1 and, say, 20 to 2, say, one t- 120 or 140. Okay. Okay. And I was heading to work in the airport on my electric bike. Okay. And I was at the Kinsale Road roundabout, crossing at the traffic lights, kind of heading up towards the hill for the airport. Right. And uh, next thing I knew, I was on the ground. My bike, the frame snapped in half. It's a brand new bike. It's only four months old from the shop. Oh, God. Pricey yeah, bikes so, too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it was brand new from the shop. And it's... Um, that's basically, I'm just hoping somebody might have called on dash cam because there was a lot of traffic stopped at the lights, you know. Someone so tripped you, yeah? No, no, no. It was just a frame completely snapped in half on the weld. Okay, right. right. And I, so I was just saying, if uh, I'd be going further about this, you know, probably to the manufacturer. And if, Oh, nobody, oh, sorry. Nobody, I thought someone hit you. No, the bike no, just no. snapped in two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good Lord. If I was coming down the airport hill after work, PJ, I would have been killed or seriously injured. That's very but true. Oh, Tony, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I was completely misinterpreting my notes here. The yeah. thing just snapped in two on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because right when, when I saw the, the call coming up on my screen, I thought, you got clipped or something. No, well, uh, for a second, uh, that, that went through my head, saying, what is after happening here, you know? And mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't after being hit by a car because I was on the footpath. Right. Right. But, uh, I realised in the frame was after snapping right Good down Lord. the middle. Nasty fall. Are you all right? Oh, I am on grand. I wasn't going too fast. I just have a small scrape on my thumb and my chin. Right. But if I was going any faster, I would have been seriously hurt. You could have fallen in front of a car or anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like you said, if it doesn't bear thinking about it, if you were coming down the hill. Yeah, I would not be t- making this call right. for sure. So you're looking for anybody who saw what happened. Or yeah. who preferably has dash cam. Do you yeah. know if, because I don't, do you know if the the roundabout there has, has CCTV footage? I'm, I was thinking that as well, and I, I would imagine it does, because it's one of the busiest roundabouts in the city, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I would imagine it does. The guards and the council look after that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I might get on to them and ask them as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but certainly if anybody was on the roundabout, I've given the details out again. Lunchtime yeah. Saturday between 20 past 1 and 20 to 2 and you were heading towards the airport. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you would have been probably over there on the... Would you have been on the Travelodge side there? No, the other side. The, the other side. side. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there's a good path there. You'd have been coming up. So you, were you, where were you coming from, Ton? Uh, say Harvey Norman's. I see. Ah, up. gotcha. So yeah, you'd have yeah. been coming up past Harvey's, up yeah. there past the chemist. Yeah, up, yeah. There's a good path up there. I see a lot of people using it on bikes. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, if anyone was waiting to go down 
towards Harvey's or the chemist or into Smith's Toys or anything like that. They yeah. couldn't but have seen you. Yeah, well, everybody in that traffic, uh, queue traffic, must have seen me, yeah. Did anybody, and hopefully did anybody, somebody has dash cam. Did anybody get out to see me all right? No, no. I, I kind of got up quick, you know, in, in shock. Yeah. And the traffic was still stopped and I pulled the bike across to the petrol station. Yes. There was yeah. a lady actually at the petrol station with a van and she uh, put the bike into the back of the van and brought me up to the airport. So oh, that's big brilliant. Thank you. That a was big very, thank you to her, yeah. Very kind of her. Very kind, kind of her. Yeah, it was. Right. If anybody yeah, so can PJ, help, yeah. they can contact yeah. us and we'll contact you. Thank you very much, PJ. No problem, Tony. And as I said, look into that thing with regard to the CCTV. <laughs> you might have to report it to the guards or something yeah. to see what happened, and you might have to ask someone to investigate it. But but certainly there will be, you're right, there will be CCTV there from, yeah, from yeah. traffic cams and stuff. All right, Tony, thank you. That's Tony Cashman. Were you on the Magic Roundabout on Saturday, headed, you would have been, t- to get a view of this, you'd probably been headed down either up towards the airport or down towards Harvey Normans, going along there, and on the path opposite you, you might have seen a fella on a bike literally just collapse and fall off the bike. What happened was the bike snapped in two, a brand new electric bike. He's trying to find out, did anybody see it? Does anybody have dash cam? I might be able to help him out because he wants to pursue this with the manufacturers of the bike. And you wouldn't blame him at all. 0818... 96, 96, 96. Let me just do that M, uh, that NCT one, lads, before I go to the break. We're going to talk about the MTU data breach in just a minute. We're going to get a solicitor's view of your rights and entitlements if your data was among the data compromised in the MTU cyber attack. That's coming up in, in just a while. But this NCT story is an eye roller. It, it really is an eye roller. There's 350,000 cars 375,000 cars on the road at the moment without a valid NCT. There would always be a number this time of the year, but this is double the normal amount. And in order to cut the backlog, the company that runs the NCT, Atlas, they wanted to introduce a new grade called Inspection Support Personnel. So when you're in NCT, you meet the person who takes your license off you and looks into the mechanic and the tester. They wanted to introduce a new grade of worker called the inspection support personnel. And the plan was that these people would carry out the less mechanically skilled early stages of the test. So there'd be some certain parts of the test would require a mechanic, someone who knows their way around a car, sure. But a lot of the basics... Atlas's was ring well they, w- they wouldn't really would they involve that much mechanical knowledge so we're going to introduce these inspection support personnel to uh, to help to maybe push things through faster the Labour Court recommended that it be rolled out on a trial and said yeah that's not a bad idea let's see how it works 87% of SIP2 members within Atlas rejected this idea. The mechanics represented by SIP2. So this was a new idea. The company was going to introduce this new grade to take the small stuff, the small petty stuff. Take that sort of work off the mechanics. Let the mechanics do the mechanicking and let the inspection support personnel do the inspection supporting. But the mechanics union SIP2 voted by 87% against it. 
Apples say that the staff they were hiring would not have taken anything away from what mechanics do. But still, SIP2 said no. 87% of SIP2 members said no. Up with that, we will not put. Which, and I'm sorry to say this, and people know me, I'm generally a, a man who's quite supportive of the trade union cause, shall we say. But that's bizarre. Like, I don't think anybody's job as a mechanic was being threatened by this, was it? But that's the reason, now. That's the reason why you might be waiting until August or September to get an NCT on your little car. Because SIP2 said no to hiring extra staff to lighten the load. As I say, normally I am quite sympathetic to the union side of things. But I don't understand that one. 0818969696. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas, May 19th. So kiss me the way. Win your way there with Cork's 96 FM. Paradise. It's just the most beautiful support from home, so thank you so much. Return flights. Five nights in Vegas. Spending money. And tickets to see. Dermot Kennedy. We used to be jazz. Listen to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the hits of Dermot Kennedy. Every time they play, text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Once upon a time, I was something to someone. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Stay listening to see him for free. Thank you for the support of this music. Only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. This MTU, Munster Technology, our technological university, data breach, cyber attack story just grows and grows. Six gigabytes, that's a lot of data. Six gigabytes of internal files were got at by a hacker group and now are on the dark web because the university refused as you're always advised to do refused to pay a ransom and a bunch of this data was dumped onto the dark web. Uh, The whole thing was before the high court as well on Friday. Uh, where there was no, um, an injunction granted to MTU to um, prevent the people from publishing, making available to the public or sharing any of the university's confidential material. But sure, of course, that didn't matter, of course, to the people who had done the cyber attacking. They just went and dumped it on the dark web anyway. And there were some saying it was kind of a case of MTU doing what MTU had to do to protect themselves so they can be seen to do everything to prevent them uh, to, to prevent this information being put to the wrong use. Michael O'Dowd is a solicitor based in Glenmire and Fomoy and specialises in data breach issues. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. This is the whole thing about cyber attacks and I spoke last year or the year before with the great Bruce Schneier about this whole thing when the HSE was attacked. We're always told, everyone is told, don't pay the ransom. But when you don't, the the hackers will, will, will play havoc with your data. Yeah, that's what's happened in this case. And uh, it's funny you mention Bruce Schneier. He uh, often compares uh, data, data protection to waste and, you know, the, the, equ- the equivalence between 
dealing with the fallout from data and dealing with ways that we would come across in, the day, in our daily life. So I suppose computers are designed to share information and um, that's what they do very well. And they don't do so well controlling the sharing information unless there's proper procedures in place. And I think we're seeing the, the fallout from that now, yes. Yeah. So MTU um, went into court to seek an injunction. Now, I remember hearing about it and thinking, yeah, like the cyber attackers are going to go, oh God, no, we can't break an injunction. But they had to do it, didn't they? They did. Look, they have to be seen to do everything they can do. And yeah, certainly, look, you and I are going to obey an injunction of the High, the high Court. But uh, yeah, look, if there's Russian hackers or whatever involved, they're not going to pay much attention, unfortunately. So yeah, it's it appears all this information is out there now on the dark web. It is reasonably freely accessible. And obviously, that's a, that's a concern to, to whoever, whoever is affected by that. Yeah. Now, if I'm a student or a parent of a student or someone doing business like a contractor with MTU, how worried should I be? I don't know. Obviously, you said there's six gigabytes of data, which is an awful lot of data. And I presume a lot of it would be text. It wouldn't necessarily be photographs and videos or things like that. So it could be a huge amount of Word documents or Excel documents or things like that. So so really, we don't know. Um, not many people go on the dark web, obviously, but people who, who, who do go on it for a particular reason. And yeah, if, if they're looking to get details for identity theft or whatever else, yeah, they can, they can go there. What about financial? I mean, a lot of people paying the college on an ongoing basis for tuition and courses, and there's a lot of money changes hands in a university. What if financial data has been dumped on the dark web? Like the the, the Data Protection Act or, or the, the GDPR, I suppose, always gives particular emphasis to what's called special category data. Financial data isn't necessarily one of those, even though obviously it's, it's very, very personal to people. Things like health data, trade union membership, things like that would be considered special category data, which would be, for one reason or another, is viewed as being highly sensitive. And look, no doubt some of that special category data is out there as well. So yeah, people will be concerned about that. The GDPR, Michael, and I'm sure you well know in your line of work, it's there now since, what, 2018. It is the bane of a lot of people's lives in trying to do their job. That's the one thing. The other side of it, we know how much it protects our data. But again, you're dealing, I would suspect here, with the category of people who don't give a toss about GDPR and anybody's rights. No, yeah, look, obviously the hackers have been around for a lot longer than the GDPR. Yeah. Um, there was an obligation, and there is an obligation on a data processor or a data controller to take what is called appropriate technical and organizational yeah. measures. Yeah. And, you know, the proof to pudding is sometimes the eating there. If if there is appropriate measures there, this shouldn't happen. So unfortunately for MTU, it is probably the chickens are coming home to roost from a little bit here in this regard. That information is out there. It doesn't necessarily mean they did anything wrong. They may have taken every step. This could be something just that couldn't be avoided. Mm-hmm. But look, we did see from from reports that came from the HSE data hack that a lot of it was just down to using in in, in the HSE case, to down to using just computers that weren't kept up to date. And very very often, these hacks aren't terribly complicated or high tech. They often are just someone clicking the wrong link or, or opening the wrong email attachment and 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 that not being protected against. Mm-hmm. Or updating your copy of Windows. Something as simple as that. Right. Something as simple as that, yeah, and certainly in the case of the HSE, a lot of versions of Microsoft Windows were being used that were were long obsolete. Yeah. So, I mean, and I know 
they have their own problems to do and their own way of dealing with this. But could could MTU be in in legal trouble here from students, from parents, from contractors that work with them? Like I suppose, the simple answer is yes. The, the, the long answer is slightly more 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 involved than that. Like there's two things people can do. They can make a complaint to the Data Protection Commission, which I suppose is is slightly stretched at the moment, trying to deal with with, with all what they have to do with Facebook and Google and all these things that are under their remit. And the other thing, look, people have done, which has become a I suppose a bit of a trend in Europe in the, since 2018 is bringing actions themselves in the courts, whether it's the Irish courts or the French courts or the Spanish courts, seeking redress from that. And I suppose like there's, there's two categories of people do that. There are people who've suffered material loss. So yeah. if your data has been taken and used to empty out your bank account and then people who are upset, I'll put it that way, or, or, or worse, very, very troubled by a breach of privacy. So yeah, there's those two categories of people sometimes will bring actions. Yeah, but of course it's not cheap, is it? No. Like, again, maybe to the discredit of, of the government when the GDPR was being implemented, for one reason or another, and, and I was I was on the other side of the fence advi- advising a state agency here, that the, the appropriate court for bringing these actions is the circuit court or the high court and for one reason or another the district court was excluded yeah. that is being addressed that is being addressed now through, through legislation going through the doll but it's a bit late in the day it would have made more sense for, for people bringing claims and for organisations like MTU alike that these things could have been dealt with the district court on a, a cheaper quicker and more efficient basis but we are we are where we are even in the UK they've, the, the, the small claims court can deal with these things mm. but again look it's it's the way it is here at the moment there's something before the European courts, isn't there, on what you mentioned a second ago, non-material loss, where my bank account mightn't be emptied, but I might be, I might be very bothered and very upset by, by the data that is out there belonging to me. Correct, yeah. There's, there's a case, um, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, the, the, the Austrian version, but it concerns the Austrian post, where there's, in the European courts, not like the Irish courts, there's an advocate general who is a... A judge, for all intents and purposes, but gives a decision that's not binding, but is normally is followed by the, the the court themselves. In that particular case, the 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 advocate general has taken the view that just being upset that your data is out there isn't enough to recover, and again finds that just you know that the fact that just this has happened, the fact that let's say your data is on the dark web or the fact that your data is, is has been stolen isn't reason enough in itself. There must be something something slightly more there. But again, that must all be fleshed out and that's not binding. And and even in, in the Irish courts at the moment, a couple of weeks ago in, in, in the circuit court, the a case was stayed just to see where where this goes at the moment in Europe before any Irish court makes a decision, which that will obviously follow European law. One one thing that would be stressful, I think, would be that, okay, my dad has dumped on on the dark web, Michael, um, and nothing happens to me now. But that's still out there. They still, if, if, for example, my bank account or, or my credit card details or whatever, if they're out there on the dark web, they're out there forever and have no control over it. That's stressful. Correct. Correct, it is. And sometimes that information there can be combined. Like there is 
like if you have an iPhone, you'll see every swap and you'll be warned that your this password has been compromised. There, there's yes. hacks and there's data breaches all the time. So there always the risk is that enterprising individuals will will compare and combine what information they can find about you that's identifiable now on the dark web with other information from other hacks and build a profile and be able to use it for for their own nefarious reasons in the future. So look, yeah, it, it's a risk and I suppose that it's it's important at this point that that MTU advises those affected as soon as possible and tells them what information. That's been a big beef we've had, in, particularly with, with the HSE, that they didn't do that. And when they did, they were very, very slow in doing it. But that, and, and MTU, to be fair to their credit, they do seem to be to be taking steps now to tell people and let them know, look, sorry about this. This has happened. Your data is out there. You, pro- This is the data that's out there and you need to take these immediate steps and to, to, to make your life better. Put it that way. We hear about stories of GDR, GDPR breaches bringing huge fines against big companies. But let's just come down to the base level of a punter uh, whose data is compensated in this. And I have a case under this Article 82 one. Like how much could I how much could I glean in compensation if I was so mu- that that way minded? Oh God, the answer to that is uh, you'd be wrong to put a figure on it. I don't know the. Right. In terms of non-material loss, it has been modest to date. The experience in 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 the Irish courts, which are not they're not reported really. It's a lot of it's kind of anecdotal, right? And certainly in Europe, it's 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 probably more than three figures. Yeah. It's probably less than less than okay. five. Kind of, right, you know, that, that that sort. It, it, it's very much kind of district court money. I, I'll put it down. It's up yeah. to fifteen thousand. Is normally what's being spoken about. Right. And lastly, Michael, for people who might be worried, who have connections to the college in whatever way, and people who might be worried now about their data as this story drags on for days and days, and I'm sure that sure there's a few days more with it in it. Should what 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 should they do? Can they do anything? There's not much. There's not much they can do, really, aside from look, watch your accounts, and you know, the, the, the things that, that 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 you know, in fairness, that advice being given to across the board all the time. Look, as you said, the data is out there. You know, an essential test of a breach of the GDPR is a loss of control of data, and I suppose when it's up in the dark web, it's dark web, it's well and truly out there. So. I suppose all you can do is watch things, monitor things, keep an eye on your bank accounts, you know, keep 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 a record of what's happening in, in, in case that things do get bad in the future and you do need to bring an action or make a complaint to, to the Data Protection Commission. Just that's really all people can do. The, the MTU yeah. have got their injunction from what that's worth and yeah, it is what it is. They've done everything that they need to do up to now, I guess. Correct, I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right, Michael, thank you. Michael O'Dowd, a solicitor based in Dunmarin, Fomoy, and specialising in data breach. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Come back to the NCT story. And I was just reading it and interpreting it as I saw it. I'm with the SIP2 workers here, says Kevin. Applis need to hire more qualified staff, full stop. Train and hire more qualified testers. Applis want to fix this on the cheap. That's my reading of it. Okay. Applis's explanation, I'm only quoting from the newspaper here, this is the independent I'm reading from, where they said that they wanted to have inspection support personnel. Now, if you've been through the NCT yourself with your car, it's obvious to the naked eye that the stuff happening there in that, that tunnel, 
that I don't know why you need to be a qualified mechanic to do it. And what seems to be on the table here, and the Labour Court said give it a go, what seems to be on the table here was that there's certain duties as part of that testing that you don't need to be a qualified mechanic to do it. So we'll separate that stuff out and we'll give that work to the inspection support personnel. So let's imagine that Mike is the mechanic. Mike and the mechanics. Mike is the mechanic. And Susan is the inspection support person. So my car goes in and Susan does all the stuff that she's supposed to do and then says, right, Mike, car's ready for you. And Mike finishes the job. That's two people doing my car, which will put it through in half the time. That seems to make sense to me. But Siptu wasn't having any of it. Then someone says, stupid comment for PJ who says it's Siptu who are to blame for the backlog of NCT tests. No, I didn't say that. I didn't, but anyway, which has been getting worse for years. But now that Siptu won't allow people with no training to do the job of a qualified mechanic, it's all down to them, says John. Well, again, I'm only quoting from what's in the paper, where Apples, and I'm not taking their side either, Apples wanted to look down the list of what's in the test. And if you get a booklet on what's in the test, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of things that are looked at. They look at everything. And there's probably stuff on that list that doesn't require the work of a qualified mechanic. So they said, well, give that to Susan and give the mechanicing to the mechanic, to Mike. Or reverse the roles if you want to be very balanced about it. Mike is the inspection support worker and Susan is the mechanic. And split the work up between the two of them and it might work faster. And the Labour Court said, do you know what? That might be an idea. Let's give it a go. But Sipto said no. That's my reading on it. No, I didn't say SIP2 caused the backlog. That would be stupid of me. I didn't say SIP2 caused the backlog. I said an idea has come before the Labour Court to maybe ease the backlog. And SIP2 have blocked it. With regard to the NCT, this one's come in. We should follow the UK model and let garages perform the same test as the NCT. They already do it with vans. That's a good idea. We could have a two-tier system. If you go to a garage, you get a year's cert. And if you go to the NCT, you get two years. That way, the NCT can still exist, but be scalable. It's never been on time since its inception, when it tested all cars every two years. When they upped it to one year, the process fell apart completely and has never recovered. They have to admit they're not able to cope with the volume of work and outsource it to responsible garages who are just as capable of testing. And you're not wrong there, because if you can do a DOE test on a van that's doing tens of thousands of miles a year and pr- pronounce that van safe for the road, then surely that same garage can do an NCT on my little Ford Fiesta. Yeah. But I'm not blaming SIP2 for this. I'm blaming SIP2 for not kind of taking on board an idea that went past the Labour Court. Anyway, it is what it is. Come here, I never mentioned this to you. Remember down in, in Gary Vaux in January, I was thrill- thrilled to be involved in an event there for Breakthrough Cancer. Uh, down at the hotel where they had a medieval night and myself and Derek from the telly hosted it for them and Stephen Belton, the gaffer at the wonderful Gary Vaux Hotel had his head shaved for Breakthrough Cancer Research. It was great fun. There was great video going around Instagram from it. They handed over as a result of that night Baldy Belton and his staff. I know, I know. He's okay with it. He's no choice. Look at the statement. Stephen and his staff yesterday or the day before, handed over 15,000 euro 
to breakthrough cancer research, which that deserves in any book a round of applause. Well done, guys. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. A couple of calls coming in on the NCT. I don't know if I've uh, touched a nerve here, but it's certainly a sensitive one. Paul has a voice note on WhatsApp. PJ, if you go back to last week's or the week before's uh, Eructus report of, uh, when Aplus went into them, Aplus blamed people on cancelling their test this week and people failing their test, let's say this week, on the backlog of tests that you can't get, that it takes up to six to eight months to get a test. But what Aplus aren't saying to everyone else is, Eight months ago, people that were failing their test this week or weren't turning up this week had a backlog of six to eight months when they applied. So that was back then. So it's nothing to do with people not turning up or failing. It's just Aplus's laziness to employ. Yeah, well, there's many reasons they're being touted for it. And certainly it looks, according to the article in the paper that I was reading, that the Labour Court had said, look, give this a go to hire a different grade of tester to take the non-mechanic specialised work away. And you know yourself, particularly if you have to go back for a, a retest or have to go back for something small, I mean, is that really worth taking a mechanic's time to come out and check that you've got your hubcaps in the right place or some nonsense like that? That's, that's I think, what Apples were thinking. I don't know. They're not here to defend themselves. Anyway, Liam, morning. Good morning. What, would you, like, what would you like to say, sir? Uh, you're saying there all the time about uh, mechanics in the CT, but in actual fact, most, well, I don't know how many, but a lot of them are not actually mechanics at all. Well, they're employed as testers, shall we say. They're testers. They're not mechanics. You don't have to be a mechanic because when that started first, I actually applied for a job with them. And when I heard the terms and conditions and wages and everything, I said, no, nah, that's a joke. Right. So they ended up that they couldn't actually get mechanics to work for them. So they basically hired anyone who walked in the door. They trained them, I assume. Oh, well, all they're doing is going off a checklist. They're right. Told, look at this, look at this. But the thing with that then is they've no discretion... They see something, they're not sure, they fail it. But if that's the case, why did mechanics represented by SIP2 reject this idea? Are, are they mechanics? It says SIP2 members, 87% of SIP2 members rejected its recommendation. In okay, the they're, they're SIP2, but like SIP2 covers a wide range of yeah, I know that. jobs. Yeah. They're, as I say, they're not necessarily mechanics. In actual fact, what they're doing now is they're bringing workers in from abroad. Yeah, I know, they brought a few, so, they brought something, that, and that according to, again, I'm only going by, by a newspaper report that I have, they brought in 44 mechanics from the Philippines. Polarity mechanics, so has anybody actually checked their qualifications? But it doesn't really matter anyway, because, as I said, all they're doing is they're working off a checklist. Yeah. They're told, check the tread depth, check your brakes, like, most of it is done by machines. They pull up the machine. Tis, tis. The machine checks the brakes. Fail, not whatever. But, but, but where what, the problem is coming in, yeah. I'm sure any mechanic listener would be able to tell you, the amount of things I see passing the test that should fail is absolutely frightening. Oh, well, look, didn't we have a whole story um, with... with um, well, that, that, that was back-enders. 
Steve? No, 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 no. Be careful there now. Just like, no, I'm, I'm bringing up another one where the suspension testing machine, if the suspension was banjaxed altogether, would pass because of the settings on the machine. That all had to yeah. be changed. What, what, is, what that's doing is it's checking one side and then comparing it to the other side. So if both your front shocks are knackered, yeah. you pass. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, one is good, that did one get is changed. So to be fair, that, that, that did that did get changed. To be fair, yeah, but like, I I see things like I I have a brake pipe, a flexible brake hose hanging on the wall here that I show people. Right. It's absolutely legal, and that passed the test twice. Yeah. Because the guy is checking, they don't know what they're looking for. Or is it that they're not supposed to check that part? What they are? Right. Oh yeah. I had another one where they actually failed a flexible brake pipe. And when I was fixing it, I noticed the steering rack, the play in the steering rack was absolutely frightening. And do they check that? What do they do? Right. Right. It's the, it, I said, no, the NCT is a money racket. That's all it is. Yeah, well, we do need some certification system to declare start, that our vehicle is, is safe on the road, don't we, Liam? I mean, like, there, oh, was we an, there was an awful lot of rust buckets. The arse has fallen out. Started, when I started in the water trade... <clears throat> Over 30 years ago, the cars on the road were death traps. Mm. Absolute, utter death traps. Mm. So we did need a testing system. But the system they have is not working. Mm. It's, it's a money racket, that's all it is. It's not being done properly. People have said they should have garages doing it, like the DOE, yeah. which is fair enough. But then you have all this thing about... Corruption and blah, well, blah, blah, well, blah. no, well, no. It, to me, as a, as a simpleton, I'm a motorist and no more right. than that, right? If I open my bonnet, I, I can just about find where to put the water for the windscreen washer. Right. That's well, ninety percent of people out there are like that. You know, I, I'd wire I'd wire my own house faster than I'd look in under the bonnet of a car. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is, like, you know, most people don't don't know much about these things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's where the problem lies. Because people buy a car, it's got a 12 months in CT, they think the car is good to go for a year, and they drive on, they don't service it, they don't open the bonnet, mm. they don't check the tyres. It's... Like, the it's idea of going to a garage seems fairly... I mean, if, if a garage is able to test a commercial van that does more mileage in a month than I do in six, yeah. then surely they're qualified to test my little runabout. Exactly, and they should be doing it. Yes. And if you do it for a flat fee, like 55 quid for the thing, you know, that would be one way of doing it. They do that in the UK and it seems to work. It works, uh, but the idea of setting up the NCT first day was that they were afraid that you would have corruption and back-end or something, it's going to carry on. Mm. So they'd have an independent company running the whole ass and that there'd be none of that which yeah. of course turned out to be But you could have dozens of independent companies sticking to a certain set of standards which is what the DOE has to do so the, 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 yeah. the, the, the solution was, was there before them and they chose, they chose another one which happens so often in this country Liam thank you 0818969696 now yes Anya you'll get the test when 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 is the test Anya the test is in the 20th of August when is it due Oh, the test was due in January. Due in January? Due on the 20th of January. Okay. When did they take the money, Anya? Uh, the day I booked the test. <laughs> you see? Yeah. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. And oh. I'm worried driving the car if my insurance is safe without the NCT test. Now, my car is perfectly safe. I know that. Yeah. 
but you know that's actually a very good question I know that the guards um, are kind of, they're not being instructed to but if you have proof of your appointment <laughs> and you carry it in your glove compartment or something and you're stopped by a guard and you can show that you got your appointment or look for your appointment in good time then then they won't make trouble for you yeah, but, yeah. but then the other side of it is we don't quite know, because during COVID, I know the insurance companies overlooked the fact that you mightn't have a valid NCT because should the place was closed for months on end. Yeah. But now we, it's a very good point. If you don't have your NCT up to date, and if you have a little tip, is your insurance valid? Yeah, that's what I would worry about. It's it's worth looking into because the dip, yeah. the dip, no, this thing that you can ring up and get a a priority appointment in. Oh, in did, you, did you try doing that online? <laughs> According to the newspaper, it's about a month. Well, not even that. It's just so difficult to do it. Oh, I well, mean, that's to <laughs> negotiate. Right? To, yeah, or yeah. or or get through to a human being. Oh, there's no humans there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me, Anya. Oh, don't talk to it took it took me ten days ten days to get onto a human being with a very, very big company. And in fairness, when I got to her, she was brilliant. She couldn't have been more helpful. But ten days it took me to find a human being. Yeah, yeah, I understand your pain. <laughs> <laughs> and at least maybe your computer literate. I'm illiterate compared to computers. Yeah, but I know, but like August, they they used to correct me if I'm wrong. They used to wait until the day of the test to take the money. I thought that, but no, my my money was gone. PJ, I wasn't even off the computer, and the money was gone as the account. Crikey! Yeah, yeah. All right, August, and how <laughs> the car is in good nick, is it? Autism, yeah. Is this the Multiple first or second grand. NCT or the multiple? Oh God, no! It's one one year now. It's a, a zero ten, ah. a zero ten Fiat five hundred. Ah, no, grand little car. Grand a beautiful li- car. Grand little car. <laughs> All right, Anya. Thank you. Good luck when it comes around in August. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, on the lost and found. And look, if anybody can help Harriet, who was on to us from y'all and we'll podcast that so you can listen back to it we do about 30 podcasts a week just so you know but Harriet lost jewellery her purse was taken while she was working at Perks and y'all about 20 years ago and she's trying to see if she can get it back it's the longest of long shots but you never know hi PJ I was listening to your show about losing stuff and finding lost things I found a wedding ring in December 2012 in Duns in Balancholic I had organised a bag pack for charity there. That evening, when I was counting the money, there was a wedding ring at the end of my bucket. I was doing a clear-out recently, came across it again. On the day that's in it, I'd love to reunite this with its owner. Can you help me get it back to the owner, please? And that came in from Mary. A bag pack in Duns and Balacolic in December of 2012. And someone lost, seems to be lost, their wedding ring, put it into the bucket with their donation. But Mary has it. The date on it is 17th of August, 85. And it has initials on it. She'll send on a picture. If we, if she sends on the picture, we'll... That's... That's bad. That would be... That would be brilliant if we could find that person. 
Thank you for that, Mary. Um, get some more. Oh yeah, here's another one. <laughs> Far more recent. And look, just because we're doing it, don't inundate us with stuff like this, but just because we were talking to Harriet and that interesting story from Mary. Rachel was on. She said, any chance you'd mention my daughter lost her UCC student card and her provisional license on Sunday night in Reardon's. She thinks it was on the stairs up to Secret Garden. She got in and thinks she must have missed her bag or mislaid her bag when putting the IDs back. Oh, I get it. She missed her bag, so you took the IDs empty. Oh, yeah. Thinks she dropped them on the stairs. Maybe someone picked them up. I don't want to give out her first name, but Fitzgerald is our surname. If anyone has them, please return them. She has an exam on Thursday, and she needs her UCC ID for it. Many thanks, says Rachel. Have you thought, Rachel, of maybe getting on to them in Reardon's? Because they are quite helpful with lost and found in there. At least they were when I used to work there. Now, that's not yesterday by any means, but they were always very helpful when when I was there. Oh, yeah, I knew I had good news. Do you remember I was talking to Mucka? DJ Mucka. Mucka Toomey. Talking to him last week. He, he's a very busy DJ for many, many years. He's homeless at the moment and living in a and b and he was telling us about that. He just got on to us to say he's got a gig this Friday night in Brew Bar in McCurtain Street. That's a fabulous bar, actually. And Mocha is playing tunes in McCurtain Street this Friday from Eight Bells. It'll be a good night. It'll be a very good night because he's a very good jock. Delighted for him. Absolutely thrilled. And that's about it. It's been a busy morning. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. Enjoy your St. Valentine's Day. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Corks 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.